You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carlos Devings, Matt Smith and Neville Bounds. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 267 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stebbings and joining me in the PTUK studios this week, along with Grouse, who's currently laying on my feet. <laughs> oh, is he? Oh, right. yeah, he's, he's keeping my feet home, warm. Yeah, because well, obviously the one thing we need in here is extra warmth, of course. He is actually laying on my he feet. He is actually yeah. laying on your feet, is he? Yeah. Oh, dear, dear, dear. There we are. Yes, yes I'm all right. Thank you. How about you? Yeah, good. Yeah, yes. Um, it's been a really miserable day today here in, in the east of Anglia with the rain, but mm-hmm. uh, I think it's much well received because Gemma was moaning earlier on in the week that we hadn't had enough rain for her right. precious garden. Oh, I see. Right. Okay. Yes. I know. Well, I mean, you know, it is, you know, yeah. first world problems. And you know what she's that. like about her garden, Matt. Yes, very it? precious about it. And uh, who, whose is the lawn idea, by the way? Was that you or her? What's that? The lawn that you now have to mow. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. That, that's one of the things he was moaning about. Oh, because it's dying, I suppose. Yeah, he's yeah. having a bit of a dying situation. Yes, indeed. But, uh, oh, yeah. I, 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 don't, I mean, we're slightly off topic. Been uh, uh, coaching <laughs> this week? Uh, yes, Smith? yes, absolutely. Yes, I've been out in, been out in uh, various vehicles this week. Um, I'm trying to think. I did, I t- I'll tell you what, I did a really fascinating... He wants to go out now. All right. Uh, <laughs> uh, a, a really fascinating uh, tour... No, no, he's changed his mind. No. Uh, to uh, South Lincolnshire. Uh, Lincolnshire. I went to Lincolnshire, yes, uh, and did a, a churches tour, which was absolutely fascinating. Um, and it was uh, it, uh, basically flowers and stuff all inside. In fact, actually, if I'd have been, if I'd have thought about it, I took loads of photos. I could have put some on. But honestly, oh, it was wonderful. It's one of my favourite groups to take out anyway. And uh, oh, I, I've obviously reached that age, you know, where one has a fine appreciation for for the the artwork involved in putting together a nice uh, bunch of flowers. Oh. Um, and then, then, like one of the churches had loads of really cool scarecrows and, and all that. Kind of. we, only, we only managed about five. Um, but uh, yeah, it was no, it was really really good. And oh, then good. I went to the Gresson Hall Rural Life Museum. Oh yes, today. that's yes. great there. It I is absolutely. It yeah, unfortunately, I mean, if, if Nev goes there, it's um, it's sort of you know you know from his childhood. But uh, yeah. <laughs> and joining us as well, looking rather happy, is obviously Mr. Neville Bounds. Hello. Yes, here I am back again uh, after my trip to Budapest last week. Right which now, was I mean, very satisfaction, I must say. I mean, you said you were working. He said, like, he said in inverted commas, working. Yeah. It's a bit like Doctor Steph's conference. Oh, I see. Oh, right. yes. yeah. I see. I'm yes. with you. So, uh, okay. It's the same same idea, really. Right. Uh, but uh, I've never been to never been to Hungary before, and it was fantastic really nice place fantastic people um interesting enough obviously i went on the ba flight as, as oh, one course, should yes. Uh, yes. but a couple of my colleagues went on the easyjet flight from uh, gatwick oh dear to budapest and there were three hen parties on board and oh. apparently the captain ne- nearly diverted the aircraft uh, because oh, my they were so rowdy um, so uh, oh, what a we, we don't we don't get that on on, on BA. Uh, no, no, no. Goodness but, me, uh, I perish um, the thought. So a bit, a, a bit of a quick <laughs> NPE from you then, Nev. How was the uh, the uh, the flights? Yes, very nice. Uh, very um, windy coming back though into Heathrow, uh, but although the wind was straight down the runway, so it was okay. But it's jolly bumpy. Uh, mm. but, was that the three um, twenty? Yeah, just, just one. 
320 it was yes yeah. okay. um but uh, just one trip round the hold and then straight in so that was great and it was handbag journey for us so we uh, could get off the aircraft sharpish which was great Very good. So we you, uh, and uh, i if, uh, if anybody is uh, thinking of going to budapest i would highly recommend it if you like food and inexpensive beer which is probably wow. why the uh, hen and stag parties head for that or prague i would imagine so, oh, yeah. Yeah, so uh, hung- hungry by name but not by nature essentially by the time you right. finish by the sound yeah. of it sounds like somewhere captain yeah. al would love well, yes, yes. I think it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> definitely yeah. on his list of places he must visit. Yeah, I <clears throat> know. Absolutely. So, joining us as well again this week, as always, he's across the pond. It's uh, the awesome Armando. Hey guys, as usual, and I'm uh, happy to be here this week. And uh, yeah, I've been uh, decorating a little bit, at least for the YouTube uh, version of the podcast. So, uh, yeah, it's been a very domestic week for me. Although right. I did get to fly those. Uh, cadet flights with the Civil Air Patrol last weekend in a very, very nice uh, G1000 Cessna 182. Mm. Other than that, not much. Yeah. <laughs> so for, for the, the, those who don't get the opportunity to listen to the show, perhaps you could describe uh, what is on the wall behind you. Uh, yeah, so this is my attempt at making some kind of weird train station, <laughs> airport <laughs> terminal thing. Uh, I thought it would have it would be appropriate to have the the London time zone, my home time zone here in Charlotte, and then I, Los Angeles was just too long to stencil right. out with uh, <laughs> with my daughter's right. uh, arts and crafts store. So I I thought Seattle was appropriate enough, enough yeah. for, for an aviation podcast. Okay. Yes. No. Mm. I, I, yeah. I, I see what you good. did there. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> it looks good. It looks looks very good. It looks good. So yeah, we're getting there. Is uh, is the obviously because you've been trying to get flying now for a few weeks. Obviously, the weather I, I'm guessing is better than it was last week. Because last week you were experiencing some rather heavy, uh, thundery weather. Mm. Yeah, I think that Friday afternoon we did we did get some pretty severe weather. It 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 tends to blow by fairly quickly in this area. I think you know when I was out west, it would do the same. You just sort of wait a couple hours. But uh, Sunday or Saturday, Sunday, it cleared up just fine, and I was able to get in the air. Um, we have very specific criteria when we fly cadets for orientation rides, but everything went without a hitch, and uh, the weather cleared up for the weekend. And then I think uh, it's two weeks old now. I think we've talked about it already, but uh, we'll also have a little, finally got a chance to put together the flying segment from uh, Steph, Megan, and I's flight out to Asheville. Yeah, that's coming up later on the show. Really looking forward to that because I had a little, little preview of that earlier oh, did on. You? It looks right, very yes. good, especially with the audio, Armando. It's really good with the audio. I love the audio with the uh, <laughs> you guys talking, so well done. So coming up in the show, as Armando said, we've got that segment of video, which will be awesome uh, for those of you guys and girls watching mm. in the world of YouTube. Uh, before we move on, actually, I should just uh, Oh, we better point out uh, where this yes. comes from. Yeah, absolutely. Us. So uh, those of you watching on the YouTube feed will know that uh, we'll, we, we have a, a backdrop that's usually sent uh, by one of our listeners uh, in. Uh, this one has been sent to us by Ray Davis and... I mean, it's the the it's beautiful, isn't it? So, somebody tell me uh, the the details of what this this aircraft is. Armando. <laughs> so, I, so I believe that's a T twenty eight, right? It's a T twenty eight Trojan that uh, he took a picture Trojan, of his. Right? Yeah, yeah it, it's a trainer. It's a very capable airplane, and I think a lot of countries used them as a as a trainer. And and I think there was even some attack versions made. 
Yeah, I mean, it's an absolutely beautiful, uh, beautiful picture as well. So thank you very much to to Ray for that. I, I'm just trying to find because he also sent us a couple of videos, didn't he? That uh, that uh, that went with it of stuff that was flying. Uh, that yep. like, yeah, we there go. we go. Here we go. Look at that. I love the noise, actually. So what what sort of engine is in that? Is that a radial engine in those Armando? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it sure is. Um, I'll look it up right now. But uh, uh, he sent me those pictures also. And, and what's cool about a T28 is when you're standing next to it, it's so tall. Like, you can see the size of the pilots there in the video. Yeah. But when, when you're standing next to it, it's it's a very imposing sort of airplane for a trainer. Very cool. It is very cool, yes. But uh, Sorry, that's me. You're right there. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but it's very, very, very cool. Thank you very much, Ray, for sending those in. Uh, if you have a backdrop that you would uh, be willing to share with us that we can put up behind yeah, us, then it's podcast at plaintalkinguk.com, podcast at plaintalkinguk.com, and obviously we'll give you a name check. If you've got any video or a story uh, behind uh, how come you came across the picture, uh, then uh, that would be so much the better. So welcome to everyone who's joined us in the YouTube chat room this evening. Uh, loads of people in the chat room mm, tonight. Busy old chat room busy today, chat room. Yeah. Hello to uh, Gustav Julensen. Hello to you, Philip Davis, Benjamin Todd. Uh, we've got uh, Tony S., Chris Griggs, Neil Lamborn is in the chat room. Dr. Steph has also joined us in the chat I've room I've heard as well. of her. I know, I yeah. know. Uh, who else we got? I'm uh, just scrolling down. Andy Furlong. Hello, Andy, to you. Um... Oh, Armando's in the chat room. That's always good. John Jester. Hello to you, John. Uh, Captain, Captain Jeff is also in the chat room, so we must uh, be on our best behaviour. And also joining us from Rome, it's the lovely Jenny Oh, Parkinson. the lovely Jenny. Yes, I always get very nervous when Jeff is in the chat room. I feel like he would uh, be holding up, um, like, scorecards. Do you know what I mean? Sort of you know, marking us out of ten. <laughs> Is it the, oh, uh, and Paul, look, Paul from the um, the Layovers podcast. Ah, Paul Papadimitri. Hello. Hello, Paul from the Layover. Yeah, I think I've listened to the latest Layovers podcast. Awesome. For anyone who uh, who loves their chat about uh, kind of more to focus towards the air airports and stuff. Andy really good. Furlong as well. Wow, they really are all a bit. My goodness me. Hello, sir. Is it, no, Andy, Andy is the one that d did all the graphics for um, for like our logo and things like he that. Did. And it's uh, not seen you in the chat room for a while. Hello, yeah. this oh. is this is very exciting, it's lovely, isn't it? Yes. So we better crack on. I suppose we, we do. Yes. So <laughs> we are going to start the show then, as we do each week, with our rundown of the weekly news from around the world and the UK. So if you're ready, Matt. Um, yeah. Why not, Nev? Yes. <laughs> Armando. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What he said. So, kicking off this week's first news story on the one mile at a time dot com website. Sorry, what? I know one mile at a time. It's actually an aviation website. Where do you website. find these sites know. from? That's good, isn't it? I so mean, a small part of me is impressed that you've branched out for what you normally watch on the internet, but you know, mm, it's just I know. Anyway, which is air crash investigation, <laughs> of course. Yes, anyway, absolutely. So this uh, uh, story is involving something we've talked about in the past on the show, actually quite recently, with uh, airlines removing uh, seat back oh, TVs yes. yeah, from yeah. aircraft. So Etihad Airways has been in cost cutting 
cutting mode as the airline has lost about $5 billion over the past three years. So in order to cut the cost, they've pulled funding from the airlines uh, they had invested in, such as Air Berlin, Alitalia, Jet Airways, etc. But they've also been trying to cut costs and increase revenue from their own products. For example, they've started selling extra legroom seats in economy and have started selling food and drinks in economy and more. The airline has now announced the next step on their journey to cost cut. Uh, taking notes from American, I think, is in terms of what they're doing the on-board products. So between now and August, Etihad will be transforming the economy cabins on 23 of their Airbus A320s and A321s. Uh, and as of now, they have 32 of these aircraft. As part of this retrofit program, they'll be installing new slimline seats from UK-based firm Acro. And these new Etihad seats won't feature any personal TVs. Rather, Etihad will allow passengers to stream wireless entertainment to their smartphones and tablets. And they'll be offering more than 300 hours of free entertainment, the word free, entertainment uh, through pa the Panasonic EXW system to a, uh, to a wide range of content. And also guests can download the eBox stream app prior to travel. Etihad says they won't be removing televisions from any of their wide-bodied aircraft, so these changes will ex be exclusively be occurring on aircraft operating on flights within five hours of Abu Dhabi. And not surprisingly, Etihad is marketing this as an enhancement. Uh, they're describing these as a refresh of modern cabins featuring industry-leading seats. Etihad hasn't clarified what, uh, what the new seat pitch will be or how many more seats they'll be able to install as a result of these changes, but they do say the seats will provide increased knee room. And they are cleverly designed around the guest's digital devices with fast-charging USB points and an adjustable phone and tablet holder. Yes, I did, pop, I did pop a picture of that up, actually, while you were talking. Uh, it look, uh, I mean, most things do seem to be going that way, don't they? Mm. So, I mean, actually, the tablet I think, holder looks really good. Yeah, it does. I, I think I think it's the way forward, actually. I, I, mm. I, I'm surprised because it's... I mean, presumably, Nev, I'm, I'm not speaking out of turn here, but surely the... Uh, the weight benefit to just literally having a server and a load of Wi-Fi essentially within the aircraft. I mean, surely that's got to have a massive saving on on hardware and and and. That. I mean, you're going to have to have a a beast of a router essentially, aren't you, to to handle that throughput? Hmm. But that's got yeah, to be no, lighter. Right. And I think that uh, <clears throat> I think people are looking at better ways of serving up the in-flight entertainment now and. Uh, some of the rather bulky things that they've had in the past. Uh, obviously, you know, it does have an effect on fuel burn mm -hmm. and um, people want to use their own uh, devices and this kind of stuff and they want good connectivity if there's some streaming stuff that they can get access to. So, uh, no, definitely the way forward. And um, obviously they're making the seats slightly smaller. Mm -hmm. I don't know whether that's going to affect the comfort side of it or not, but it'd be interesting. It would, I'd love to try it out, actually. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, how, how do you feel about that? I mean, because everybody's got a, a, a tablet, I suppose, or, or a device of some description where well, they could do that. I even mean, I, my usual argument of, well, uh, people that are a bit more senior might not necessarily be able to do that. But uh, Mrs. Nev's mum is 89 years old and <laughs> she does all her Internet banking and stuff on her iPad. On her and, iPad, uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, watches films and stuff like that. So, yeah. um, you know, there, there's no reason at all. So I think um, this is definitely a, a, a big improvement, I would say. Mm. 
uh, th- this is it. And uh, if you've got the ability to to charge your tablet while you're yeah, while you're yeah. watching the, mm. the the stuff as well, I mean, uh, as long as you're getting a, a good sort of two and a half amps out of the out of the port, I mean, really that should be enough to sort of entertain you throughout the entire flight and charge your tablet up. Surely, so I think I'll be more in- when I've se- I mean I've seen various airlines kind of take on seat back screens. Mm. And they do differ a hell of a lot between airlines. You yeah. know, some airlines' yeah. seatback screens are, are really high quality HD yeah. screens, and other ones, well, are not. Are not. Yes. Yeah. Um, absolutely. And obviously, if you're bringing a tablet on board, such as yeah. an iPad or yeah. or, a, or an Android tablet, I'm, it's safe to say that the quality is going to be. So if you do, top if notch. you do um, short haul on BA Nev, is is there still um, any kind of IFE? Um, no, only, only the the drop down screens from the top for the um, uh, f- safety briefing and that right, kind of stuff. Yeah. On the <clears throat> medium haul stuff, so the the, the longer trips, uh, there are some. What have they got? On the I think oh, they may have some on the A three twenty one for the longer haul stuff that they they've got. But yeah. uh, no, generally speaking, all, all the stuff within Europe they they don't have it. And frankly, you don't need it. You know, people no. got their own stuff. Because mm-hmm. you're you, well, as you say. I mean, and, and, and even me when I do my short, you know, I've usually got a handful of podcasts that I want to listen to while I'm I'm there, or I've downloaded some stuff, mm. um, you know, like from the BBC iPlayer, for example. You know, because you can download stuff, or, or even Netflix now, you can download shows. To watch offline. Um, I mean, I do just you remember the days with the uh, airlines having those pull-down TVs from the oh, centre? Oh, with the, the three, the, the, the three TFT kind of. I no, still th- the, the old, the, the old school TVs that used to come down from the ceiling. I, 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 I was in a coach today that still has exactly that. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, you, re- you remember back in the day when we didn't have cell phones and mobile devices, and no. we were on a flight, and there weren't any TVs, and you had to sort of talk to your neighbour. Yeah. Whoa! What? Communicate? <laughs> Holy crap! <laughs> Really, Armando? Gosh, that, that is... Um, <laughs> that you, yeah. It's old school. I would say you're showing your age, but you're younger than we are. That's... He is, yeah. So yeah moving... I started flying young, though. Ah, okay, all right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Good recovery, well played. So uh, the next story, uh, Matt, um, well, it's, it's obviously a Ryanair story, but... Right. This is okay. this is a rather disturbing story that um, that you found yeah. this week, didn't you? Yeah. So this is the journal. Ie, and uh, the headline is "Punches Thrown, Vodka Downed, and Music Bled on Chaotic, chaotic Ryanair Flight to Basically Carlos's Hometown <laughs> or Home Country, I should say. So an RTA, a normal flight. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> yeah, well, especially because he's he's very excited about going there, no doubt. But uh, there's a, an RTE reporter has described a chaotic and at times quite scary Ryanair flight from Dublin to Malta during which drunken fights broke out amongst passengers who were headed for a dance festival. Speaking on RTE's News at One, reporter Kieran Deenan recalled how many of the young people on the Malta-bound flight were inebriated before takeoff, and that it was only the it was only when the airplane was on the runway did he realise that 150 of the 180 passengers on the flight were heading to a dance <laughs> festival on the Mediterranean island. Uh, several brawls broke out during the fight, said Deenan, uh, who described how one one man was pinned to the ground for a large part of the flight by two other men so he could 
he so that he could be kept under control. There were punches thrown. One man was held up to the window of the plane by his neck. So it was quite a scary experience, especially for those people not interested in the dance festival at all. There were some going to the dance festival who behaved themselves, but of the 180 on the flight, uh, there was quite a number who were very unruly. The Dublin to Malta flight was uh, late taking off, Dean and said, as people were jumping in and out of their seats with some passengers shouting at the stewards or giving them hand gestures to show that they weren't really interested in what they thought. Uh, it was when the flight did eventually take off to the sound of dance music, which was blaring all over the plane, that the real messing really started, Dean and said. They kept serving alcohol, is this headline that's just appeared. It says huge groups congregated at both bathrooms, mainly because the drinks carts were there and they bought many, many drinks and there was uh, huge bottles from Duty Free were opened, bottles of rum, bottles of vodka, <laughs> bottles of whiskey and they were being downed on the plane, said Dean and uh, there was one man handing out a big bottle of vodka for people to take sips out of. Uh, so it was quite scary because there was a lot. Of, uh, there, there was always the chance that things would spill over. Thankfully, things didn't quite spill over, but uh, really, um, there was an opportunity that it could have done. The RTE reporter said the Ryanair staff on board the chaotic flight were, flight were very slow in dealing with the problem. Uh, I'm not going to read on because it's pretty... Oh, actually, no, I will actually... Uh, they seemed to, to think there was uh, very little to do except advise people to turn down their radios. I wasn't witness to any of them trying to take glass bottles away from people. They kept serving alcohol on the flight for an hour and a half despite it being obvious that there was an issue concerning uh, that there was so much alcohol already in... had already been consumed by the passengers when and about halfway through the flight staff did try to get the situation under control it was just too late because it had all got too much out of hand uh, there was pushing and shoving and there was fights breaking out there was a lot of shouting and roaring along the aisles the airline has since issued a statement saying that crew on Dublin to Malta flights requested police assistance on arrival after several passengers became disruptive in flight the aircraft landed normally and the police removed and detained these individuals the airline said it would not tolerate unruly or disruptive behaviour at any time and the safety and comfort of our passengers, crew and aircraft is our number one priority. This is now a matter for local police. I now, will say one thing being yeah. being to being, you know, spending a lot of time in Malta. Yeah. It's a quiet island. It is a quiet island to be fair and it's an, it's a lovely destination. But yeah. I tell you what, their police and I've seen their police in action. Right, okay. They do not take a lot they don't, of they don't take prisoners. Sierra okay. Hotel India Tango. No, okay. I'll tell fair you. enough. I mean there's several issues with this story. I mean the first one is I actually have a great deal of sympathy as usual for, for the crew on this because it's saying, you know, hundred and fifty of the hundred and eighty passengers on that flight were going to that dance festival and certainly the article indicates that an awful, awfully large number of them were unruly. Uh, with the greatest respect, the majority of people who are, you know, perhaps cabin crew, uh, certainly with this particular airline, are not particularly old. And I, I probably would have been kind of taking a bit of a back seat because I didn't want to get hurt. Um, so I, I, I. That's my major issue with this article, actually, is sort of making it sound like, you know, the cabin crew had a responsibility. I think when you've got numbers of that, you know, that, <laughs> yeah. the, those kind of numbers, I mean, anything could have happened. Anything could have happened in, in, in that situation. Um, I, I'm surprised that the captain didn't divert. Mm. 
I, is, is, I, I, I'm not really familiar with the route. Uh, somebody maybe explain, explain to me. Are, are they? Are you over the water for a very, very long time? Is that why? Only when you come off, uh, when you come over the um, the coast over Italy, they normally take the the. They kind of follow the sort of German, mm. French kind of, then go down towards Italy over Sicily. I mean, th- there is of course the possibility that this article article has been exaggerated. Mm. Um, of course. Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't. They could have easily diverted, I suppose, whenever yeah. this um, happened. To, okay, to so over. so let's uh, we'll, we'll go we'll go to Nev first. I mean, what's what's uh, your thoughts on that? Well, they took a Ryanair flight, didn't they? There we go. <laughs> okay, um, so right. That's all got to say about that. Um, and if you if you just imagine the cost of a diversion. Firstly, and also with the quick turnaround times that Ryanair have in particular and other low-cost airlines have as well. And like everybody would be out of position. The crew would be out of position, possibly have gone out of hours or the aircraft's in the wrong place. True. Things go wrong fairly quickly. So probably, and obviously we weren't there, but it sounds like it was the right decision to carry on to the destination. But yeah, yeah, uh, I think it's very difficult for the cabin crew to start getting involved in these things. But they have to somehow maintain order in the cabin, and that must be a very challenging job. I mean, they're also saying, like, for example, that they they weren't, um, you know, they carried this this reporter is saying he sort of seemed almost dumbfounded by the fact that they were still serving alcohol. But again, with that mob mentality, you're probably just thinking, I'm just going to have to keep going here because, you know, I don't know. I, I think there's a real issue of safety here. I think the crew were carrying on essentially because it was the safest thing to do. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that. Where you know, I, I'm sure. Yeah, we weren't there, but I'm sure there was a discussion uh, between the crew as to w- what it is that we're going to do here. And y- if you're going to divert to France or Italy or somewhere, and you have 150 drunk passengers. Not that if 150 of them were drunk, but, no. uh, you know, what are you going to do with those passengers? Exactly what there's a business aspect to it. There's a safety aspect to it where I'm sure the pilots were talking to the flight attendants and, and, and asking, well, you, you guys need to let us know when you believe it's a safety issue. Obviously with two, with fights breaking out on board, it's probably a safety issue, but yeah, just like you guys were saying, what are you going to do at that point? Do you yeah. just turn back to, yeah. to Dublin or? Descend to about 12,000 feet, open the door, and, um, yeah. <laughs> See you Wait later. In. You could just depressurize at altitude. Everybody would go to sleep, so. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> very true. That's very true. Surely there's Not a... an accepted method I was of say, surely, surely, down <laughs> it, would, it would certainly quieten them down. Yeah, yeah I mean, surely there's an issue of, like, you know, giving the entire cabin, essentially, the bends. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, there's, uh, there's oh, a couple dear. of small issues to that. But uh, anyway. Moving uh, on. I, 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 to yeah. the next story. Suffice to say, I feel very sorry yeah. for this poor crew. That's, that's I think, uh, that is what we'll say. So from, from one set of, well, one very small set of... Oh, hello, Matt. You're I, right. I pressed the wrong button. Oh. I'm so sorry. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> the show had finished that's so it. quickly. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. Um, so See you next week. <laughs> sorry, oh, Matt. Dear. Anyway. Uh, sorry, I'm, having, I, I'm, I'm using my mobile to control the, the, the system for the first time. I, I've been carrying out some... Yeah, it's all right. Thanks. So um, from one... <laughs> Small group of passengers who were very Just unhappy on that over flight. It. Keep moving; it'll be to, fine. Uh, the next story, Nev, and uh, to one person who wasn't happy about his flight. 
Yes, and here it is. It's the other encyclopedia that we refer to that when we want accurate aviation oh, news. God. It's the sun.co.uk. Oh, no. <laughs> and the headline says, Filthy Airways. British Airways passenger who paid £3,000 for business class flights is furious to find dirty seats and hair in his meal. The frequent flyer was looking forward I can't even spell or pronounce the words properly, was looking forward to a, a luxury experience, but was left very disappointed. Um, and it says that the frequent flyer who was sitting in the first class section of the flight, I didn't think there was even the first class section on, on those uh, mid-haul things, uh, said that even the bathrooms were crumbling and he dreaded to think what the other areas of the dated plane were like. Uh, and this gentleman, Nans, was uh, travelling with his partner and two friends on BA 154 from Cairo to London on Monday. He explained to The Sun Online Travel how the group were all frequent flyers with silver and gold status in BA's executive club. It means they've racked up thousands of miles by flying with the airline and its partners, so they knew what to expect from the airline. Having paid around £3,000 for the flights, he was looking forward to a luxurious experience. But what greeted him was a very disappointing one. And I don't know if Matt's got some pictures up here. But, oh, um, am I supposed to have done uh, something? Well, well, you don't have to, but um, <laughs> there are some pictures of, of, of some yeah. of the uh, evidence. There. Uh, and the passenger said that the, the foot, footrest was covered in dirt. And also the freak, he also oh, yeah. spotted a hare in his meal. And he told the Sun Online Travel it was a very, very dirty flight. Uh, the sort of flight that Al would have enjoyed, possibly. Yeah, but, uh, there, <laughs> yeah there, um, there is that. Uh, and uh, the passenger explained that he had booked business class flights as BA didn't officially have first class seats for the route, just as I said at the beginning. However, the plane they were flying on had a first class section, which as executive club members, they were invited to sit in. But when he got to his seat, Nance immediately spotted that it was covered in dirt. He photographed the footrest, which he said was covered with dirt, although the airline disputes this and says that it is scuffs. Um, and um, uh, there's some uh, further pictures. Oh, it also says that the, the, the Wi-Fi was down as well. And uh, the passenger said there's even more dirt on all of the sides. All of the seats were awful. And when he complained to the cabin crew, he said whilst they were very apologetic, they didn't do anything. I'm not sure what they were supposed to do, actually. But uh, he said the, the experience didn't improve. And he said that it was a very old and dated cabin. And even the toilets were crumbling. Um, the Wi-Fi wasn't working on the flight, even though they were told it was available. And to make matters worse, uh, Nan's uh, passenger found a hair in his food. Now, uh, my recommendation to this gentleman would have been not to go on a massive rant, as he did on Twitter. Uh, I would have just written to the airline nicely and uh, waited for a response rather than going full on because um, as my parents taught me uh, manners are everything yeah. and I think that um, had he done that he might have got a slightly more uh, sympathetic response uh, but um, nonetheless that's what he's done and um, I, I'm sure there's going to be some correspondence going backwards and forwards but um, yeah if you've got a complaint yeah take it up with the cabin crew and um, if they can't solve it uh, drop drop a quick note to to BA themselves don't don't plaster it all over twitter uh if it's um, you know it's, i mean it's 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 inconvenient and it's not ideal but it's hardly a showstopper is it no indeed. i'm just looking on that one of those pictures nev it's uh, showing a safety card from a triple seven two hundred hmm 
certainly. Yeah, I, I love. Yes. Well, uh, they're, they're, the, the 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 interiors are getting on a bit, but mm. um, yeah. I love uh, British Airways' slightly snarky response on Twitter to his Twitter rant, which is, "We realize you're disappointed that we won't be offering a gesture on this occasion. The marks looks like scuffs. Uh, we'll ensure this gets taken care of. We hope your flight to New York this morning is a pleasant one." <laughs> it's, it's, it's a polite, polite way of saying, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, 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 I'm kind of with um, Nev on on this one, though. Actually, you know, there are ways in which you can deal uh, with these things, and and perhaps, uh, I mean, by all means, go on the Twitter, you know, rant if you've been in touch with the airline and not had a response. Maybe even if you haven't had a satisfactory response mm. perhaps you know mm. I mean, but surely the the massive public naming and shaming should be the last um you know sort of straw yes. if you like um you know try old school way first you know what i mean yeah you know what one thing uh, i'm curious about and I, I don't know because i'm not a you know commercial pilot the uh how much control does british airways have or how much quality control does british airways have over the cabin cleaning service in Cairo and the catering service in Cairo. I, I know they should probably yeah, they're, have they're, 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 they're probably not using their own staff, so it's probably a contracted out yeah. uh, cleaning company, I, I would imagine. So, but these are always the cases, aren't they? You know, down route. Um, then you know, you 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 obviously it's the cabin services director respons director's responsibility to make sure that the that, you know, the, uh, the cabin is as clean as it can be. Um, but you know these things happen from time to time, and as I said, uh, I, I just think uh, his reaction to it, especially on social media, for for my liking, was a a, a bit much. That's all. Yeah, I, I no, I I completely agree with you, Nev. I have to be honest. I, as I say, you, you know, there's there's a protocol. I mean, that that's your last resort, in, in my book. Mm. You know. Yes. So Armando, the uh, next story is uh, some competition. Yeah, so after the last two media sources, I am privileged to read a story from the BBC. Uh, and it goes on, the past decade, China, soon to become the world's largest aviation market, has been developing its own planes as it seeks to loosen Western manufacturers' grip on the sector. The planes made by Commercial Aircraft Corporation of China, or COMAC, have drawn plenty of criticism. Few in the industry believe Chinese-made jets will rival those of Boeing and Airbus in the near term. But analysts say that over time, state-backed COMAC, part of China's wider push into high-tech manufacturing, could challenge the established players. What aircraft has COMAC built, you might ask? So far, it has built two jets, the ARJ-21 and the C-919, and is working with Russia on a third aircraft. Only the 90-seat ARJ-21 uh, jet is in service. However, after suffering from long delays and being plagued with noise and other problems, the aircraft has been roundly rejected as inferior to planes from competitors such as Embraer and Bombardier. Among the critics is Teal Group aviation analyst Richard Abulafia. Uh, he says that while aircraft, the aircraft is touted as proof China could be the next big jet maker, it turned into an overweight and stunningly obsolete product that has no relevance outside of China's tiny regional airline sector. Uh, COMAC has bigger ambitions for the C-919, uh, seating up to 168 people, 
China's first large passenger jet is designed to compete with Boeing's 737 MAX and Airbus's A320neo. Uh, its third test flight was completed in December, and first deliveries are scheduled for 2021. Uh, COMAC did not respond to BBC requests for comment, but data from a uh, aviation consultancy shows the firm has received nearly 1,000 commitments for the C919, mostly from Chinese airlines and domestic leasing firms. The order book includes the country's three major air carriers, Air China, China Southern, and China Eastern. Uh, the article goes on to talk a little bit about the certification process. They are only certified by the Chinese, which uh, only allows them to operate in parts of Asia, Africa, South America, and anywhere else would require either US FAA or EASA certifications. And those are, well, far from uh, certain, as they say. And as uh, Gustav said in the chat room, the ARJ-21 is uh, very much, uh, or very much like an MD kind of product, MD-80 kind of style aircraft with oh. two rear-mounted engines. Yeah, I saw, I saw it, and even the uh, the shape of the engines, it very much looks like somewhere between a DC-9 and an, and an F-100. Um, it, I think even the the MD-80, MD-90 series is uh, a little bit higher uh, spec than, than what they're showing in this ARJ-21. Yeah, the C919 is actually powered by CFM, International Leap 1C engines. Um, the, one, uh, the other one, the, the latest one, which is not yet in service, I think you said, didn't you, Armando? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, no, it, it's um, it's one of those things I think they're going to have... It'll, it'll, it won't happen soon, but, um, you know, with all the problems that um, are, are happening with Boeing at the moment, you know, who knows? They might suddenly all of a sudden get some orders for these aircraft. Well, I love Liz Piper's comment in the chat room, which, well, Jeff always has a career looking, you know, teaching Chinese pilots how to fly this MD-80-esque, <laughs> F-100-esque aircraft. Actually, Paul uh, Papadimitri in the chat room has said that uh, could that could be that China Aviation is today where Japan cars were in the 60s. Uh. People would mock them and judge them inferior. I wouldn't discount China in the midterm. No, mm. definitely not. Yeah. No, I, I, I can see why. So moving on to the next story, Armando. It's uh, it's. Uh, He's just. Done it? It's one. actually me, isn't it? It's, it uh, is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good it's, thing. It's. My access is denied from this side of the uh, of the ocean. Ah, and you're right there. Yeah, just <laughs> couldn't find a story. It's come up here. It's not. Um, no, it's not come okay. up. Okay, story's not come up. Uh, no, mine. It hasn't on no, mine. No, either. it was there. Interesting. Well, actually, the story was supposed <coughs> to be that Jet Two has been named Airline of the Year again at Glasgow Airport. Um, which is no surprise. I think Jet Two are doing very well at the moment here in yeah. the UK as uh, as an airline. But um, um, good on good on Jet Two. And I'll, actually, on the note of Jet Two, because uh, I know Jake Mears listens to the show. Congratulations to Jake. He was on the show as a guest a while back now, and uh, he's actually here in the studio. Oh, and right. Jake has. Um, been uh, very lucky indeed to be accepted into the Jet2 training program as uh, FO. So well done to you, Jake. He's going to be starting his training uh, to fly the Boeing 737 for wow. Jet2 very soon. So well okay. done, Jake. 
Okay, on to the next story then. Uh, this is on the Z, uh, ZD net. Um, and the headline is United Airlines covers up seat cameras Ooh. following passenger privacy outrage. Uh, United Airlines has covered every camera embedded in entertainment systems uh, within the back of plane seats in response to passenger privacy concerns. The cameras were included in off-the-shelf screen and entertainment products the airline purchased. United Airlines was quick to respond to requests concerning the cameras, unsurprisingly given the uh, airline's recent PR disasters relating to the violent removal of a passenger by security and the death of a puppy that staff insisted be stowed in an overhead bin. Uh, speaking to BuzzFeed News, the carrier said that all cameras found in the back of all premium seats would now be covered, but their purpose was never to monitor passengers. Rather, the cameras were included for possible future applications <laughs> such as video conferencing. Mm. As with many other airlines, some of our premium seats have in-flight entertainment systems that came with cameras installed by the manufacturer, a United Airlines spokesman said. None of these cameras were ever activated and we had no plans to use them in the future. However, we took the additional step to cover the cameras. Stickers have been spotted which now cover the cameras and the airline says that the all-new premium seats will also receive the same treatment. Singapore Airlines too has recently faced criticism for camera usage. In February, passenger uh, one passenger posted an image on Twitter which revealed a small camera under the screen of a Singapore Airlines seat pointing oh, to flyers. Uh, these cameras on our new IFE systems were provided by the original equipment manufacturers the airline said, uh, responding directly to the tweet. We have no plans to enable or develop any features using the cameras. At a time when facial recognition technology, um, AI bias cameras and surveillance continue to intrude on our privacy, it also uh, uh, it is it uh, is also airports which are coming under fire for adopting such technology without making the situation clear to the public. Earlier this month, a passenger with JetBlue took to Twitter after finding that facial recognition technology appeared to have replaced boarding passes uh, with the airline. A public uh, Twitter discussion revealed that the technology tapped into biometric information from the Customs and Border Protection database which is quite interesting i don't i don't really have much of a problem i don't see what what when you'd ever use a camera in, a, in the back of one of these ife screens unless you were skyping your well, your I mum mean, and dad at home is, but i suppose as technology moves on which you know i mean it is it's not moving on as fast as it was i know but uh, it is still sort of you know moving um i mean you know, yeah, the i always thought they were photo sensors I, I, I had no clue until we started doing these stories here a couple months ago and it started coming out. I thought they were photo sensors so they could do some kind of like auto dimming. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I just felt, um, I mean, the thing is, is when you buy any off-the-shelf unit, I mean, every laptop, every tablet, every iPad comes with a camera built into it. So, I mean, if it's off an off-the-shelf sort of touchscreen type device then um, they all do come with cameras but we're not all sitting here freaking out about the fact that the camera on my laptop uh, I mean the light isn't on to say it's watching me but there's nothing to say that it isn't being remotely accessed without that light being turned on so and let's be fair the cameras in the laptops are normally not the no, but also, what on earth are you doing on the airline, on the aircraft, that makes you nervous about your privacy? 
exactly. mean, they're not. It's not exactly like you're in your own little I private cubicle. No idea I mean, what you could be if doing. If they put an IFE system, you know, I say on one of the Emirates, well, then they shouldn't because if they're wiping it on, you know, it's a, do that again so that the people can see what. Yeah, exactly. Uh, which is always nice. Uh, but you know, I mean, you know, unless the IFE, if the, unless there was an entertainment system in the shower block on the on the uh, on the A three eighty on the A three eighty, then I don't really understand why anybody has a problem with the 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 cameras being there i i i want the camera to be above the door looking into the cockpit so i can watch the pilots now, that would be cool. Well, there is that. Well, and some of them do have cameras at the front, don't they? Yeah, so they do. Can, yeah. So, yeah, you, so can you can see what's, yeah. see what's, yeah. what's going on. I, I, what do you reckon, Nev? Well, Uh-oh. the thing is now, <laughs> uh, we we just we think we know what's going on, but, but we don't really, do we? We don't know um, just because the camera light isn't on yes. uh, that it, it's not being seen. Uh, in where I may have mentioned this before, actually, but the job that I do when I'm uh, there, um, we install video conferencing systems into boardrooms and conference rooms, and uh, there's a, a lot of clarity around whether the system is muted or not and actually the the larger manufacturers when the system is turned off actually the camera swivels round and points to the wall rather than to uh, the yeah. rest of the room um just to sort of show people that the camera isn't actually being being uh, used, uh, yeah. being used to, to see them okay um but data and our data and what's going on, uh, it's all become a bit blurred for my liking, especially with what's been going in, on in the UK in, in the last three or four days. Um, so yes. I, I, I'm, you, you never quite know, do you? Um, that's what I but yes, and, and I mean, obviously, the, I mean, the situation that you were talking about, um, you know, where where the you know the ministry, uh, is, you know, uh, somebody basically lost their job over something. Um, I mean. I get that. Obviously, that's that's, and in a conference room, you don't want somebody sort of watching. But I mean, these guys are basically. I mean, surveillance is everywhere now. I mean, if you're not, I don't know. Perhaps I've got the wrong attitude here. If you're not doing anything wrong, sat in that seat, if all you're doing is watching in-flight entertainment, eating your meals, chatting to the person next to you, um, how is that any different to sitting in, say, Hyde Park? Uh, in London and doing the same thing because you've probably got a camera watching you while you're sat on that park bench chatting anyway I mean yes in an ideal world these cameras wouldn't be active and they wouldn't be watching you but how is it different to you being in any public space yes I think there's um, different views on that and uh, Tony does make a reasonable point in the chat room um, where he says if you remember the scandal where a South Korean television manufacturer was recording people's conversations oh, yes. without their permission. Yes. So th- there are things that um, yeah. I think are perfectly reasonable. But uh, as you say, in the main, if you're not doing anything that you shouldn't be doing, yeah. then there's nothing to worry about. Yeah. Why, why are you worried, essentially? But I, I spend a lot of my time doing things that I shouldn't be doing. So I'm worried about <laughs> it straight away. And moving swiftly on. <laughs> Nev, um, the yes. next story. Um, yeah. What's going on with Emirates? 
Well, this is interesting because um, it says that the uh, grounding of the seventh this is on the uh, CNBC.com website, by the way, and the grounding of the 737 MAX airplanes has cost Emirates' sister airline Fly Dubai a lot of profitability, and Airbus aircraft could now be replacing some Boeing orders, the Middle East's uh, airline CEO and chairman said on Monday. Uh, Akhmin uh, bin Syed Al Maktoum said uh, Fly Dubai, a regional partner of Emirates, has had to stop using 40 aircraft due to the worldwide grounding of the 737 MAX aircraft following two deadly crashes involving the model. The CEO added that with more than 100 MAX 8 planes currently on order, he couldn't sit and do nothing and needed to look at options such as the Airbus A320. I have to look into a similar type of aircraft, let's say with Airbus, Al Maktoum told CNBC's Dan Murphy at the Arabian Travel Market trade show in Dubai on Monday. The Emirates and Fly Dubai chief said he would always demand that we be compensated, but would not yet take the step of officially cancelling orders. Uh, when asked how the Boeing crashes could affect the aerospace sector, Al Maktoum said he expected a lot of pressure on the US Federal Aviation Authority, the FAA, FAA to be more candid about how it certifies Boeing aircraft. In uh, February, Airbus announced its end to announced an end to its um, A3. 80 jumbo program uh, just 12 years after it first took to the skies and the future of the world's largest commercial jetliner has been long in doubt uh, after it became clear that it was heavily reliant on big purchases from Emirates. Uh, Al Maktoum said that the rise of more efficient aircraft had obviously impacted upon the success of the A380 but Airbus's decision to end the program wouldn't negatively affect the airline's relationship with the plane maker. Uh, and uh, that will not change, he said. At the end of the day, they're running a business. And uh, uh, we are at today uh, at 107 aircraft and we'll go up to 125 before we see some of the older aircraft coming out of the fleet. Now, could I just point out that although they are have grounded the 737 MAX for the moment, the thought you could just suddenly switch your orders to A320s, having things roll off the production line in Toulouse and Hamburg for delivery in a you know, couple of months' time, uh, forget it, because uh, these guys and girls are back-ordered the same as everybody else's. So yeah. I think that, uh, and think about type certification and pilot availability and all that sort of business. So um, I think it's a little bit bold to come out to come out with that kind of statement. But, uh, you know, from a commercial point of view, yeah, it, it is going to cost Boeing dearly, clearly. But yeah. uh, I, I would be very surprised if they have short-term order loss here, because let's face it, this aircraft is going to be the safest one flying oh, uh, in a few months' time yeah, when it's true. back. Yeah, as I mean, as, as we sort of said it, said last week, wasn't it? I mean, this is, you know, me as a nervous flyer is the first one to admit that when this plane finally gets back in the air, um, oh, yeah. you know, really, uh, any qualms you have about it, safe. I mean, I, I, I mean, to be fair, if it did go back in the air and it did have a problem, then I think that would have to be the end of it, wouldn't it? I mean, mm. you know, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, well, well, how do you feel about this, Armando? What, what, are, what are your thoughts, really? I think in in industry conversation, it's only natural that the conversation is going to come up where, you know, hey, will somebody switch over their orders? But I'm with Nev on this one. It's not it's not that easy to to cancel a twenty two mm. billion dollar order. <laughs> 
you know, I, I, I'm with you guys. It'll, it'll be a safe airplane. It'll, they'll, they'll work it out. And next year it'll be something that we uh, look back on episode 267 and, mm -hmm. and uh, think about. So yeah, Nev, absolutely. on that story, there was a, another piece of uh, quite exciting, I think, in, information regarding Emirates, wasn't there? Uh, there was indeed, and uh, they've confirmed a, a major rollout of premium economy seating, uh, which will occur from some point in 2020. Uh, Al Maktoum, uh, the CEO, hinted that the market demand for this class of economy between uh, economy and business uh, had pressured uh, Emirates into a change of strategy. Mm. Uh, we've always got to follow what the customer wants, not to offer what we like, he told uh, CNBC. And earlier on Monday, uh, Emirates said political tensions in the region and elsewhere had slowed the growth of the airline. Uh, we've managed to come up ahead with uh, some positive results, although it's not as good as it has been in the past, President Tim Clark told Reuters. And Emirates is due to report their four-year results on May the 9th. And uh, the article has been updated. I was reading to reflect that uh, Ahmed bin Sayed Al Maktoum was speaking his capacity as a senior executive at both Emirates and Fly Dubai. So that's some, uh, some backpedalling in that article. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely good news, yeah. though, oh, yeah. for Emirates. I wondered, because we talked about this earlier on in the year, I think, whether uh, Emirates would kind of breach into the premium economy kind of market and uh, i think it's, i think this is going to be a good idea for emirates because i think people will if they can offer an enhanced version of economy because emirates economy is already incredibly good um yeah i'm up for that yeah mm. definitely yeah so moving on to the next story and yeah this is from uh cnbc.com oh just kidding it's from simpleflying.com uh <laughs> <laughs> uh, alarmingly, there have been several close calls involving Indian aircraft during takeoff and landing during the past year. One of these saw an aircraft land on an unfinished runway, while another resulted in a wall being struck during takeoff, which I think we talked about that one too. Thankfully, none of these uh, incidents have uh, resulted in serious consequences. The latest incident, according to the Aviation Herald, is involved a Boeing 737 registered to SpiceJet as Victor Tango Sierra Gulf Juliet. Uh, Airfleets.net shows that the aircraft was originally delivered to Air Berlin in 2005, spent eight months serving for Blue Air in 2010 before joining the SpiceJet fleet in December of 2010, making the aircraft somewhere around 14 years old. So the aircraft was operating flight uh, SG-946 from Delhi to Sydney in the south of India. Initial reports suggest that 164 people were on board the aircraft at the time. The pilots overran the 2,500 meter runway by about 100 feet, resting the aircraft on soft ground. While there were no reported injuries, both pilots have been grounded, as is customary in these circumstances. According to Indian news website Live Mint, while the incident took place at 16.30 local time, the aircraft's occupants were not rescued until two and a half hours later. Uh, the single incident is a worrying part of a much bigger problem. SpiceJet is not the only airline which has been affected by takeoff and landing troubles lately. In September of 2018, an Indian Airlines Boeing 737 landed on an unfinished runway being built at Malé in the Maldives. Uh, the aircraft got caught in plastic debris on the runway. A month earlier in August, 
the jet Air, a jet airways boeing 737 attempted to take off from a taxiway in mumbai the aircraft came off the taxiway it got stuck another incident saw air india boeing 737 strike a wall we talked about that one um yeah so i was looking you know before the show started i was looking at the mishaps for spicejet and uh, i guess i i can't personally i can't be too tough on them in since 2005 they've had just about 20 incidents ranging from hull loss all the way to minor incidents um and maybe this is one of those things that i my brother having flown in indonesia and sort of that part of asia in in uh, southeast asia the flying can be quite challenging and the weather is uh, atrocious and can be also very challenging so uh, i'm very you know glad that nobody got injured in in any of these incidents but uh you know with the infrastructure and and the type of flying that they're trying to do with these aircrafts and loads that they're carrying. I, yeah, it's only natural that, that these kinds of events will happen here and there. So I suppose I can't, I can't be too hard on SpiceJet on this one. And they're supposed to be quite a nice airline to fly with from what I've heard on uh, other podcasts. So nice cabin. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and some people are quick to talk about pilot training. Sure. Uh, but a lot of these places are one way in, one way out with very little margin of error for a go around or a missed approach or a bulk landing or something. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't know. I haven't looked up this specific airport, but I did see some of the other websites were reporting the pictures and the, and the aircraft was solidly off-road. <laughs> I think they were having trouble getting the, the air stairs to the aircraft because it was such soft ground. Yeah, there is uh, the re the incident was reported on the Aviation Herald. Actually, um, it's on the Aviation Herald website. If you look on there, um, there are a few pictures on there which uh, show the aircraft. Yeah, off roading, for sure. As yeah. you do. Yeah. So the next story is on the simpleflying.com website, and uh, the headline. It's kind of shocking because this aircraft is really old. But anyway, could Airbus build an A300neo to compete with the 797? So earlier this week, uh, they discussed that uh, Airbus had uh, built a rival to upcome the or up to the upcoming Boeing 797 before uh, the A300. Some readers asked if the A300 was so successful. And the airlines are demanding a new mid-sized aircraft. So why doesn't Airbus simply build a new version of the A300 and call it a Neo? The A300 is a very old design. Thus, a new version of it will be far more than just new engines. It would involve a complete overhaul and likely not a single original design idea would exist in the final version. The original A300 could carry 266 passengers and fly 4,000 nautical miles. It was in production for over 35 years, with the final one rolling off the line in 2007 for FedEx. Airbus has said that they will continue to support the aircraft until 2025. An A300neo version of the aircraft would possibly follow the trend of more passengers and more range. 
Uh, we would like to see an increase of up to five to six thousand nautical miles and up to 300 passengers in a max seating configuration but with two classes and we would see 250 economy and a 333 configuration and 40 business class seats whether or not they'd be lie flat would be dependent on the airline's configuration and the aircraft would be twin aisled uh, it would be made of a compo uh, composite ma uh, material uh, to save weight and feature winglets on the end of the wings. For a passenger experience, the Airbus would have better humidity in the cabin, quieter engines, bigger overhead bins and better control services for pilots. Um, and let us not forget reconfiguring the plane for two pilots instead of three, because the A300 did have three. It had a flight engineer. Uh, it would almost... Uh, be impossible to list all the new features required because the aircraft would essentially be a total rebuild. For comparison's sake, the Boeing 797, which Boeing hopefully will bring out at some point soon, uh, carries 225 to 275 passengers and will fly around 5,000 nautical miles. In this fantasy, Airbus would build two versions following the pattern of the A350 and A330neo. One smaller but with better range for bigger uh, and a bigger with one more or more capacity of flying a shorter distance. But could it actually exist, this story says. Despite all the above hope and conjecture, it's very unlikely. The first problem is that Airbus already has an aircraft that performs the A300neo role, and that's the A330. 800 Neo. With 257 passengers in a range of 8,150 nautical miles, it's more capable of filling the role of an A300 Neo. In fact, according to Airbus, it has already been, uh, has a Boeing, uh, been, uh, already has been the rival to the 797. At the bottom end of the market is the A321 Neo. This aircraft can carry up to 240 passengers in a dense configuration and fly 4,000 nautical miles. Airbus is already in dangerous territory with its A319 and A220 lines, and they're sure not to repeat it in an A300neo. Now I remember when I remember the A300 uh, um, from many years ago. I, I think I remember flying one of these as a child, the 300, which was um, quite extensively used by quite a lot of Middle East airlines. I think uh, Emirates used to have uh, A300s in their fleet. Mm. But uh, there's still, I th I'm pretty sure there are still quite a few A300s flying over in the US, Armando, as cargo carriers. Yeah, I, I believe so. I, I see them quite regularly um, at US airports. But a well-built aircraft, I remember there was one of these, I think it was an A300 that was, that was hit by an air-to-air, -air, a ground-to-air missile. Um, a yeah, that was one. a DH. Uh, DHL one. Right? DHL, yeah, that got yeah. Uh, got hit by a, a missile, and that, that, they managed to get that aircraft back and landed, didn't they, Armando? It was. Um, they did. Yeah, it just yeah. Go, it just goes to show the old A three hundred was uh, was definitely built to last. So moving on to the next story, and uh, Matt, this one is uh, for you. And I thought I'd choose this story for you because it features um, some of your favourite. Uh, well, this is true. Yes, this animals. Is, indeed, this is on the Metro Metro. And when you've read this, you've got to put the pictures up. Uh, oh, right. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, for, so the Metro. Uk, first UK airport to get permanent team of therapy dogs to calm down nervous <laughs> flyers. A Scottish airport is getting the UK's first permanent therapy dog team to help calm nervous flyers. Uh, Therapets will lend a paw. 
Oh to those who are anxious uh, getting on uh, planes and uh, at, at Aberdeen International uh, Airport from this weekend. The um, Travel Hub has uh, drafted... Uh, hang on. Sorry. You right there? Sorry, the, the machine's going a bit nuts. Just bear with me a moment. I, I know why. Uh, so the, uh, the Travel Hub has drafted a team of four-legged volunteers after... Um, <laughs> Somebody's messing with me. <laughs> Hang on, I, I've been I've been testing something with with somebody, and uh, they're messing with me essentially. So just give me a moment. Uh, You're right there, man. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. I feel like somebody has taken control. Yes, of they have essentially. Right yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I'm having a this, nervous breakdown. Yes, anyone's VPN into your machine. Or yes, they have. Yes, essentially. Yes. So anyway, yes. so uh, mm. the, the travel hub was drafted in a team of four-legged volunteers after a successful trial over the busy Christmas and New Year period. The airport will become the first in the UK to have its very own therapy dog team when the canine crew start regular working. Um, uh, regularly on Saturdays. The dogs are easily identified by their high-vis jackets. Obviously, anybody in an airport, if they're wearing a high-vis jacket uh, <laughs> and banners, will mingle with passengers and staff Bandanas. throughout the t- Bandanas? Yeah. Yes, sorry. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, they are already regular visitors to nursing homes, schools, prisons and universities. Uh, but uh, this is the first venture of this scale based in the UK bringing dogs to an airport environment. The animals have already been helping to improve mental health and well-being, uh, alleviate stress and calm nerves and are now ready to work their magic with new surroundings. A joint venture endeavour by Therapet and Canine Concern Scotland, Scotland, the team of 14 dogs of various sizes, will be deployed with their handlers on a rotor basis. Included in the team are friendly golden retrievers, German shepherds, beagles and a pug, among others. Uh, and there's some lovely pictures in here, as, as Carlos says, which I'll try and pop up later. Therapets, Northeast representative Diane Wood said, we are delighted to take the lead <laughs> in this project and have the opportunity to work with the Aberdeen Airport. All our dogs and their owners have undergone rigorous training and assessment to work in a, in a variety of environments and the dogs are used to uh, are used to being stroked and petted and generally made the fuss of uh, so they lap up the attention and thoroughly enjoy the opportunity to interact with passengers and staff the mere action of stroking a dog slows down the heartbeat and reduces blood pressure so they will be a great help to anyone feeling nervous about their journey i won't read any more because it's sort of pretty obvious uh, uh, what it's uh, it's all about but it says it's a lovely story isn't it and i mean it's uh, this, this is awesome I, i'm looking at some of the it's got the dogs profiles in here yeah, that, that they're absolutely. having at the airport at aberdeen airport and you've got i mean one of my favorites here you've got bronte who is a golden retriever now i love golden retrievers my dad yeah. has two um but it, it gives you a little kind of fact it says bronte is a therapet and a playful member of the canine crew at aberdeen international airport our therapet dogs provide a positive experience for passengers when traveling through the airport oh isn't that lovely that's nice and matt's picked on that grace there a scottish deerhound and it says here that Grace is the, the biggest member of the uh, canine family. But I think this is a great idea for, for nervous flyers, especially if, if you, you are a dog lover and a nervous flyer. Yeah, I mean, if you don't like dogs, then this is obviously your idea well, of hell, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> go on, Armando. Yeah, 
You, you know, I, the what this makes me think of. Well, f- first of all, I love the story. And when uh, when you land from an inter- international flight here in the U.S., a lot of times you'll see the Customs and Border Patrol um, either drug sniffing dogs or, or explosive sniffing dogs. But usually those are tiny little beagles or something like that. And you'll see, you know, everybody's tired. We've talked so much about how people get off a long haul flight and they're just tired. They're sort of uh, cranky, but as soon as that little drug sniffing dog shows up in the in the baggage reclaim yeah. area, you know everybody sort of smiles and the kids smile and the parents smile and unless you're allergic to dogs, um, it just kind of lightens the atmosphere a little bit. So I think this is a great idea to have you know some service dogs out there uh, calming people down. Maybe we wouldn't we wouldn't have to read that first Ryanair story. I'm not sure whether Alfie would be any good at this, though, Matt. Uh, Why? I think Alfie would be great at this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, what have you got against poor little Alfie? (laughs) Have you heard him bark? Uh, There is that, yes. He is a bit yappy. I will give you that. Uh, There there is that to it. Uh, And uh, actually, to be fair, Grouse, I think, would make an excellent... Oh, Grouse, not blimey, yeah. Yeah, he'd have everybody chilled out in no time. Yeah. (laughs) Excellent. So, Nev, moving on to the next story. Yes, maybe we should have a pet segment every week <laughs> on the show. That'd be yeah. yeah. Just I, I, I think the soporific <clears throat> effect of animals, I think, is the last thing that a show about aviation needs, frankly, because I think <laughs> I, I'm, I struggle to be awake by the end of this usually myself, let alone if we've got a dog here. So just, I understand. Yes. I understand <laughs> so we're going we're to well, qu- run a quick uh, competition with this story, Nev. We're going to see, after you've read the story, we're going to see who can find the uh, faux pas. Oh, not a media fail, surely. Yeah, oh, gosh. Okay, <laughs> right. Well, let's uh, let's crack on then. So it's on the dailymail.co.uk, so that tells you all you need to know, probably, to begin with. Um, but it says that the uh, a pilot with a two-year-old daughter says it's the perfect job for working mums because you can do the school run, fly a plane in the middle, and be home for bedtime. Um, Surrey-based captain Iris Decan flies the uh, AE319 and AE320 uh, aircraft for EasyJet, uh, and she says it's the perfect job for working mums. Um, a pilot, uh, the article says, a pilot who juggles, juggles flying commercial airliners and taking care of her two-year-old daughter says that a job at 30,000 feet is surprisingly ideal for working mothers. Uh, she's a captain for EasyJet, as I mentioned, who regularly flies out of uh, Gatwick Airport in London with 300 passengers on board. Right. They're, they're, I think I've just come across the thing right there. I didn't realise that an A319 or a 320 had 300 passengers on board. I know that they're trying to get the seat pitch a bit, you know, tighter these days, but I don't think it's going to get off the ground uh, with that. But, I think uh, anyway, she says she's got the bug. For- from now on, yeah, we should all get a bell. Like, we can hit the bell when we want to stop a story. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think it's a good, good idea. Good point. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, let's uh, get one of those installed. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, she, uh, her, uh, she's a mother to Kiki, and she's uh, one of the stars of the new reality show EasyJet Inside the Cockpit, which aims to lift the lid on being a pilot. 
uh, and uh, various pictures of her and her daughter. And she appeared on This Morning, uh, which is a, a, f- a show on uh, ITV here in the UK, uh, alongside the first officer, uh, Rachel Sylvester Murphy. And uh, she said that her family life and jet- jetting around the world are surprisingly compatible. She told presenters Holly Willoughby and Philip Schofield it was possible to do this job with a family. And she said she dreamed of taking off uh, from uh, being a young girl. And her colleague, Rachel, who also appeared on the show, uh, said that at your home every night, you can take them to school and pick them up and fly in the middle. Uh, Iris uh, added that she wouldn't tell any youngster to go for it, saying, uh, don't doubt you can do it if you really want it. It's, it's possible with a family. The pair said it was a silly question and that they were still being asked about whether you could be a female pilot and added that while only 5% of commercial pilots are currently women, the figures for those trained to fly planes had increased to around 18%. But as, as always with these things, it's a question of, you know, how your home life is. Um, but uh, after Holly admitted that she was getting better at flying but still had questions, the pair reassured her over her plane scenarios that scare her. Holly laughed, I'm much better than I used to be. There's just things I've been told that put me on edge, like our podcast, for example. Um, <laughs> She added, I heard once that if you hear three bing bongs, that means there is an emergency. And what on earth is turbulence? It's just getting a bit of a silly story now from the Daily Mail. I'm actually not going to read the rest of it. But, um, yeah, I I think if you are a female pilot and you want to be able to do that job, uh, as well as having a family, then um, you will work all that out. And you'll see what Mm. your husband or partner is doing. And you'll work your rosters and your schedules around their lives as well but so there's uh, yeah i think that there's definitely some room for that it might might not work in everybody's situation uh, but certainly i think there's a, there's a possibility there mm. especially if you're squeezing 300 passengers into um, <laughs> to one of these aircraft oh well there you are yes 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 anyway armando uh, you've got uh, a bit of an expensive story next yeah this one's from the oxford mail a former RAF pilot was given a suspended sentence and a hefty fine for flying passenger planes without the appropriate license in what? Oxford Crown Court yesterday. That's right. Paul uh, Hollyroyd of uh, Le Vieux Beaumont, St. Peter in Jersey, admitted co-piloting 64 flights, 40 in the UK, 17 to or from Oxford, without holding the correct documentation and forging documents. The 67-year-old was given a three-month suspended sentence and made to pay £2,115 for helping fly a Falcon 2000 between May 14 and October 17, 2017. Uh, Judge Peter Ross said the deception was very serious and equivalent to perverting the course of justice. Hollyroyd was banned from flying in February last year and is highly unlikely to get his license back, the court heard. Defense counsel Craig Harris noted that there was no question about Hollyroyd's confidence as a well-known and respected pilot and that he had an otherwise unblemished record. Uh, wow. Yeah, so I expect more, especially from a... Uh, I, I, I don't know if you call this stalking, maybe just... Uh, uh, media research, but I looked up his LinkedIn profile, and he did serve in the uh, in the RAF for five years, I believe, five six years, and uh, 
you would expect more from from any anyone that served but uh yeah it's unbelievable that people continue to do this and mm -hmm. and putting people's lives at risk and you know there there was a an incident here in the u.s not too long ago i believe with a it, it was either a falcon or a hawker where the pilots were unlicensed to be there and then we had the w w uh, robert murgatroyd uh trial not too long ago where he was essentially operating an, a commercial operation on a cost-sharing platform and uh man we we go through so much training and so much um cost right to get your pilot's license and and everybody's out there trying to make a buck and and do it and you have people like this that are literally ruining it for uh, for everyone else uh, so can I just point out that uh, the, the the sentence and the fine that was handed out was hardly um, well. The judiciary obviously couldn't be bothered with it because, um, uh, or the judge certainly couldn't. Just over two thousand pound fine. Doesn't seem uh, like a lot. He's lost his license. Not very much, um, that, is it? That's that, that's the equivalent for, for for driving, you know, without due care and attention on on the road. Yeah. Uh, let alone, uh, you know, um, operating a. Um, a commercial aircraft like this, so I, I see, find I, that extraordinary. I, I wonder if, if uh, you know, if if you were caught driving a coach without an appropriate license, what would the fine be? Probably more. Know. Probably more than that. Yeah. Probably more well, than yeah, two this, grand. This is my whole point. Yeah. It's just you know, I mean, with the best one in the world, even with even the biggest buses and stuff you've got, I mean, you get what, probably eighty, ninety people on with a double decker. Mm. Um, you know, and uh, that's probably a much, much bigger fine. Uh, the whole thing. You do worry sometimes that perhaps the the court didn't really understand the 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 um, you know what occurred here. What's it the same? Yeah. Where did you get your license from? A cereal packet. Right. Well, he might well have done. He might well. He might well. Well, thank you, thank you to our crack APG research team who okay. backs us up here at PTUK. Yes, it was a. Uh, Falcon jet at Greenville, South Carolina, where the pilot and the co-pilot were okay. unqualified. Wow. I, I love having APG backing us up. Absolutely. I mean, they know what they're doing, to be fair. So they're, <laughs> they're, they're, there's always that. <laughs> oh, dear. Actually, Nev, do you want to take this next story? Um, this, the, cause this next story was sent in to us. Um, I think we got this. Did we hear from is it Andy? Over at uh, the A320 podcast. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. What yes. happened here, Nev? Well, it's on the uh, independent.co.uk and it says that uh, two planes collide at East Midlands Airport. Uh, and um, a couple of planes uh, collided during foggy conditions um, three days ago at the airport. Uh, it was a Ryanair uh, aircraft which clipped a stationary Jet 2 aircraft whilst it was taxiing to stand at the Derbyshire Airport. No passengers were on board either aircraft at the time of the incident, and no one was injured. A Ryanair spokesman told the Independent, and one of our training aircraft was taxiing to stand at East Midlands when its wingtip made contact with a Jet 2 aircraft. Uh, this aircraft was under the instruction of East Midlands tra uh, traffic control at the time, and the crew were following correct taxi lines as per ATC procedure. The uh, uh, Boeing 737-700 aircraft was due to be used for training in East Midlands, so no customers were affected. 
Jet uh, 2 spokesman said a taxiing aircraft from another airline made contact with one of our stationary aircraft, which was parked correctly at East Midlands Airport this morning. There wasn't any passengers on the aircraft and no injuries. Although our aircraft was parked correctly, we will fully cooperate with the relevant authorities to help them investigate this incident. Uh, the airport said in a statement, a taxiing aircraft made contact with a stationary aircraft this morning on the central passenger apron at East Midlands Airport. Um, there were no passengers on either aircraft and no one has been injured, uh, at the risk of repeating ourselves there. Um, and this is not the first time that an aircraft has collided with another whilst at an airport. Well, how surprising. Yes, th this does happen fairly regularly. So if you remember last May at uh, Istanbul, uh, Ataturk Airport, an aircraft from uh, South Korean airline Asiana was taxiing to the runway when it collided with the tail of a Turkish airline plane, severing it in half. Uh, fire crews immediately rushed to the plane and began hosing it down. Uh, sometimes the collisions involve another piece of airport equipment. Uh, today, uh, well, a few days ago now, uh, the Independent reported that Thomas Cook Airlines flight from Orlando to Manchester was delayed by 52 hours when a baggage cart crashed into the plane. As, you do. As with all these things these days, it's actually safer flying the thing than being on the deck because the, you're far more likely to have a collision or an incident on the ground rather than in the air. The aircraft in question, as pointed out by lots of uh, keen people in the chat room, was Echo India Sierra Echo Victor, which uh, was is is one of Ryanair's uh, what they call VIP plane. And uh, hmm. I was just looking at some of the history of this aircraft, Nev. You know when you you kind of laugh and joke about uh, cars having lots of previous owners before you purchase them. Yes. This particular uh, aircraft was uh, first flew in 1999, so it's uh, 20, just over 20 years old. It's uh, it's had Azura Air, Rio Sol, Maersk Air, Sterling Airlines, Aries Columbia, La LAN Columbia, and then Ryanair. So it's um. It's definitely been through the um, through, been the, through customer the wars, base. probably. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it's probably just worth mentioning. I, I'm sure um, that the cause I say because this was actually sent to us by um, uh, a, a good friend of the show, and uh, he, he did actually. One of the reasons why we mentioned this story was was more about the inaccur inaccuracies of the story, wasn't it? That was more why he got in touch to mm. say just sort of basically. Um, uh, I'm just. Uh, uh, is this the, the 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 so somebody was actually there at the time. The Jet Two Seven Three Seven Dash Four Hundred had had its wingtip clipped by the Ryanair Seven Three Seven. Obviously not on the runway. In fact, it was a taxiway Alpha uh, entry Quebec blocking it. Uh, low visibility operations were in place, and the airfield was running normally with minor delays. Um, so you know, it's uh, yeah, it's one of those sort of. One of those, isn't it, really? Mm. Bit of a funny one. So the last story on uh, the commercial section. It's a bit of a, a bit of a cast back your mind to uh, many moons ago when there was a certain air uh, program on, uh, I think it was ITV, wasn't it, Matt, called Airline, if you remember that. It followed the um, staff at EasyJet at Luton Airport. Oh, yes. Do you remember Good that heavens. airline? Nev, do you remember that airline? Yeah, I do, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. So uh, this story's on the ladbible.com website, and uh, the headline, Man's Hilarious Reaction to Flight Delay Has Gone Viral. And, uh, I mean, they, are, they do repeat these series on telly quite a bit, but they are really quite fun to watch. So 
The uh, story goes, we all deal with hard times uh, differently in life, but when one man got given lemons, he really took it on the chin, headed to an airport bar and cracked on with it. In a video that has recently surfaced online, a guy was watching an old episode of Airline and came across this absolute cracker. Talking to Twitter to share the joy with the world, and in the episode, an unnamed passenger who is the unfortunate victim of a flight delay on his way to Malaga, who was interviewed by the show. Uh, the airline are offering delayed passengers refreshment vouchers and a refund on their flight because of a four-hour wait. And after speaking to a lady who, in all fairness, seems pretty happy with the offer, they head to the airport bar to do some filming. And then here is the guy, the man, the myth, the legend. Now, Matt, just play this because this, this is brilliant. Yeah, I'm not sure. Is... I'm not sure if this. Will, so I'll give it a try. Uh, Hopefully, this will play. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not getting any sound for some reason. So uh, just just carry on reading the story for a okay. second, and I'll uh, I'll work it out. So uh, when asked about how he feels about the delay, he casually replies to the camera crew, "I'm pretty chilled out about this actually. I've had five pints of Guinness so far." <laughs> uh, the standard response from a person mm. trapped in a, in a building with a bar. Indeed. And then he pushes that a bit further, saying and going on that. My wife's just left me for another man. I can't mention her name. Oh, Jackie. And then he stumbles. Oh. And uh, okay. he's having a Here, we go. Here we go. Let's, let's give it a try. But here we go. Just listen <laughs> to this, guys. Refreshment vouchers and a refund for the four-hour delay. That's not bad. They're going to give us the flight money back one way, OK? So that's less money, to, more to spend on Christmas presents when we get to Malaga. I mean, I'm pretty chilled out about this, actually. I've had five pints of Guinness and my wife just left me for another man. I can't mention her name. Jackie, oh, I'm so sorry about that. So, actually, you know, the fact that it's a four-hour delay on a flight doesn't bother me. What? Well, I thought that was... <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow, OK. Uh, that, I, was, I thought that was unexpected. That honestly was gold. <laughs> wow. I mean, I feel uh. a bit sorry for him, really. We shouldn't be laughing. That's that's quite cruel of us. That was so Deary good. Me. <laughs> Each, honestly, of all all the comments to make whilst uh, you know doing a program such as airline, but uh, yeah. See, even back then, you know, drinking was a was a, a, yeah, a faux pas. Yeah, yeah, a thing a thing at the airport. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think of that, Armando? You, you know what? That, I'm glad I'm glad you asked me because I have the opposite of the story. I I met my lovely bride on an on an aircraft delay no and I remember it. Why? Yeah, it really? was American, American Airlines 5774 um, and it was from Lubbock, Texas to Dallas, Texas and it was delayed by over three, three, four hours I think and it was, we met at the airport bar uh, along with the other, you know, 20 something people that were on that CRJ. So, by the end of the three hours, everybody was best friends, and uh, I ended up with a with a wife out of that. So, <laughs> uh, I also, you know, don't mind delays because they've been uh, uh, pretty good. So, wow, uh, that's Tony, what an awesome story, Armando. Tony says in the chat room here is like, "Oh wow, Armando, you were well and truly compensated for that delay." <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I should, I should still, you know, do uh, do a social media message to American Airlines. Yeah, I think you should. Yeah, absolutely. Thanking them for that delay. Yeah, Andy Andy Furlong says, "Loving is in the air. Love is in the air." Literally. Yeah. What do you think? What do you think of that, Nev? Isn't that isn't that lovely? It is. 
but it's going to be costly, isn't it? You you know full well, Armando, that uh, you know if if you think your credit card is going to be safe uh, anymore, then that's, <laughs> it, that's it. But but having said that, you've got a lovely family, and uh, what what a great way to, yeah. to meet, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Nev, Nev, I I love your your uh, realism. Yeah, uh, yeah. Back to earth, the, please. We have to say, yeah, back to earth. Yeah, well, I I love it. <laughs> Together, oh, we are one good team. That's that's <laughs> yeah. this week's show title then. Uh, love is in the air. Love mm. is in the air. Right. Yeah. Okay. Oh. There we are. There we yeah, go. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I've got to remember that. Yeah. Somebody. Okay. Somebody remind me. Love is in the yeah. air. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's where we bring the commercial segment to a close. Hope you all enjoyed that this week. So we're going to uh, hand things over to Armando then to introduce a little video segment mm. that uh, goes along with uh, something you've done a few weeks ago, Armando. Ex just explain, just in case anyone missed that uh, um, last week. Yeah, uh, actually, unintended segue. So Miss Megan and I uh, got the chance to fly with the legendary Dr. Steph. Uh, now, we've been planning a couple flights here and there, and it hasn't worked out for us. Uh, I won't recount the whole thing because uh, if you go over and listen to APG, uh, Steph did a, a much better job than I of, of sort of recounting how the flight went and, and uh, the the – the quintessential North Carolina flying. And it, and it wasn't the most uh, exciting flight, but it's it, uh, an opportunity to, to bring the podcast family together. And, and I got to fly with Steph and was in, incredibly impressed by her professionalism and, um, and safety-mindedness. And, and together we, we worked very well in the air, and you're, you're about to see that. Uh, to the point where uh, even Megan commented on that, be like, hey, is that how it usually goes? And I was like, nah. Probably not, you know, if you're in the airlines or something <laughs> yeah. like that. You're just hoping that you like that you like the guy next to you uh, for the next four days. But yeah, I'll bet. Uh, I really, really enjoyed flying with Steph and and uh, apologize. I, I know this is an audio podcast, but there, you know, so there's going to be some some points where there's just uh, aircraft engine noise. But uh, if you get a chance, go over to the YouTube video yeah. and watch it. So. Uh, what we do because uh, you you've got this on your own YouTube channel, haven't you? If I if I recall correctly. I I have not posted it on there yet. Oh, okay. I, I can. All right then. Yeah. Well, maybe if you post it on your your um, uh, uh, YouTube video, then what we'll do is I'll make sure that a link to that video is included in the show notes, and then anybody who's listening to the audio version, if you look in the show notes, you'll see uh, a link to uh, Armando's uh, video there. So um, I reckon um, I reckon we should play it. What do you reckon? Alright, so before the run-up, we get up here, we'll go ahead and do the takeoff brief, so sure. we will be doing a left seat, regular takeoff. We have an emergency on the runway, we're going to stay on the runway, we have 5,500 feet of runway. If we have an emergency after uh, takeoff and below 800 feet, we're, we've got two fields, keep it within 30 degrees, we'll do that thing we talked about where we pop the doors, I'll secure the airplane, we'll put put it down off airfield if we can get a call off, that'd be great. Uh, anything above 800 feet in this airplane, we will turn around, we've got a direct cross, we'll turn uh, north into the wind and put it back down on a piece of pavement or on the grass. Any other emergencies, I'll do the memory items, you back me up with the checklist. Got it. And yeah, and just keep me um, good on altitude, I don't want to get above three grand. Nope, I'll make sure out of the Bravo. I thought I saw somebody. There was somebody out there. They okay, it's just turned, and they're heading to the west. 
Like a gunner traffic, arrow 42 Tango is taking runway 5, we'll be departing out to the east, uh, below 3000, Lincoln County. Alright, ready to go? Ready. Ready, Bip. Yep. Alright, let's go. Simulated text to my wife. <laughs> hey, taking off. Love you. Love you. Two Tango will be departing the pattern to the east, Lincoln County. Uh, fuel pump off. Here. Throttle 2500. 25 squared. Yeah, 25, 25. Guys require fuel pumps off. Instruments still all look Everything good. Taxi landing light, you just turned off. I don't see anyone on the traffic here, although I know there's a couple people. Oh no, they headed out to the west. About uh, 2000 here, right? What's the elevation around here?
and will be departing the pattern to the south, southeast for Rocky traffic. As one does, just heading out to Asheville for lunch, no big deal, NBD. It's been so long since I've been in the right seat, so everything seems wrong, I'm like, ah! <laughs> Yankee Victor, contact tower 121.1. Number 
time. <laughs> That's gonna be a wow. minute. Busy day. What do you think? Make a circle around. Check 4-2 Tango or Aero 4-2 Tango. Multiple aircraft are gonna be inbound on the ILS runway 35. Uh, current traffic is a Cirrus over Broad River 5100, followed by a Cessna. That is uh, four miles in trail of them at 6,400. Remain clear of the runway 35 extended center line at all times. Okay, I'll tell you what, uh, Arrow 42 Tango, we're going to go ahead and uh, head VFR back out to the east, out towards Lincolnton. I appreciate the help. 642 Tango, Roger. Radar service terminated. Squawk VFR frequency changes approved. Have a good day, sir. Squawk VFR frequency approved, uh, 42 Tango. See ya. Yeah, that's just way too busy. Chubby's got a place to eat, right? I don't know if it's open on Sundays. I looked at a whole bunch of places that have uh, restaurants, and not a lot of them are open on Sundays, and let alone Easter. Um, Roger, thank you, Victor. Contact Tower 120.1. All right, I am still heads down. You're good. I am still heads up. Evening 394, Romeo Whiskey, Astro, Protest, Shelter, 3008, expect now. Are you guys open for, uh, for lunch today? Tango, left base, runway one, Rutherford. 
Fourth Kirk County, Fort Tangle, final runway one. Pass undercarriage, mixture pumps, fuel switches. I'm on Coyote Watch for you. Thank you. There's 80 knots, or 80 miles per hour. Fort Tango, clear runway one, taxiing to the FBO via Alpha, Rutherford County. All right. Flaps up, fuel pump is off. Probes, is our beacon set on, landing off. Extra is required, keep off. Extra is required again. Trim for takeoff and transponder is. Is this the FBO here? There's a sign there that says FBO and an arrow pointing that way and a guy sitting on a rocking chair out there. <laughs> so I'm going to guess that, that is the FBO. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, got it. We'll go tie down over here somewhere and... Uh, or just park, probably. Pacific Coffee, having a nice uh, Easter brunch. ELT verify silence. Avionics off. Mag off. Master off. Wait up. I'm checking. I'm gonna fly it again. I mean, I, I mean, wow. Oh, that was so cool. That, I absolutely loved that video. For those of you who are listening to the audio podcast, please do take yourselves over to either our YouTube page or Matt will also. Uh, put the links in the show notes to the video, and uh, it, is, it is well done, Armando. Yeah, uh, thanks, uh, thanks to staff, thanks to Megan for wearing the camera. She was a trooper about the, all that, but uh, yeah, I, I, I loved it because it was some good aeronautical decision making, both on the weather, which we we made a a call that once Asheville told us, hey, you're, you're number five, you're you're not getting in here anytime soon. We said, okay. We're going to go find a place to lunch. And then that was the other aeronautical de decision-making decision, which was, okay, where are we going to go for food? Um, and, uh, yeah, we, we took that the fact that they answered the phone as, ah, they must be open. Let's go. <laughs> Actually, Neil Lamwans yeah. asked a question in the chat room uh, for you, Armando. Is it okay to use cell phones in flight in the U.S.? Um. You know what? I will have to get back on that answer. I'll, I'll look at the FAR Part 91 rules on it uh, before I say anything de definitive. I think as long as you're not PIC, you're f it's probably a good. Probably yeah, good. probably. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Well. Um, yeah. The uh, my other favorite part of of that video was the uh, rally aircraft. I think it's an, an experimental who was coming into that one airport before us, and he's like. Hey y'all, watch out! There's some coyotes on the runway, and uh, <laughs> as you do. <laughs> so neither neither Steph or I even blinked. We're like, okay, we'll watch out for coyotes. And uh, I think it was the next day that Megan asked me, "Is like, is that a common thing? Do you have do you have coyotes regularly?" <laughs> is, that the so, only, is that the only thing you have to watch out for when landing on the rural airfields? I'm no. 
No, actually, there's uh, turkeys. Turkeys don't don't move uh, out of the <laughs> runway. Uh, deer. So, I mean, you saw the terrain and you saw the woods there. Uh, it, this is this part of North Carolina and, and really the rest of the U.S. Uh, there's a lot of rural airports, and you have to watch out for critters and, and anything larger than about a a cat. You might you might want to go around. Right. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, uh, deer are an issue. Coyotes are an issue. Turkeys are an issue, and buzzards will generally move. But then you're kind of playing chicken. You're playing chicken with a buzzard. Right. Uh, <laughs> who's going to move first? If you're going to go around, or if they're going to go around? Right. Okay. I mean, it's just. I mean, just an absolutely brilliant video, mate. It was uh, um, just so cool. Thank you for for taking the time yeah, to, to put that together. It was. Yeah, I just, uh, yeah, as you say, so so talk, talk us through, sorry, the geek in me wants to know all about the uh, the cameras um, that uh, that you oh, were yes. using. So the the little camera that Megan was wearing, so 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 what's that? Is that like a, like a mini GoPro or? Yeah, so um, they are contour uh, cameras. So right. the contour is a competitor to GoPro, and, and the, I chose them for no other reason than... A, gr- a GoPro is a square camera, um, and a contour is uh, long. So the the only sort of adverse aerodynamic thing that you might have, because sometimes I would mount it on my experimental aircraft, I would mount them on the outside, uh, is just the, the lens as opposed to a GoPro, which would be a big square face. Um, I don't think it really makes that much of a difference. But, yeah, it's uh, it's two GoPros, and then I just have a regular sort of uh, a voice recorder that you would find in a conference room with an audio adapter into the into, into the uh, headset. Audio. So very similar to what what we were using then when we were when you and I went out. Yeah, yeah, it was a real uh, same setup actually. I upgraded the voice recorder. That's oh, about right. it. Okay. Also, as well, Armando, I noticed the the camera that you've got that you had on the dashboard there was was very good as well in that it wasn't vibrating or it didn't have any um, you know it had a good stabilization. Uh, on the camera yeah i'm wor- i'm I'm working on the the right setup where we can have maybe three cameras. I think I gotta one buy one more camera because uh, I will be doing a lot of flying, especially this summer um, and this area is beautiful somebody was was asking what you know where that flight took place and it it's basically from Charlotte uh, west anywhere in that sort of upstate south carolina tennessee uh, Virginia. Southern Virginia and Western North Carolina, it's it's beautiful. Um, it can be a little bit challenging finding a place to land if you were to have an emergency. Uh, there's a lot of wooded areas and some terrain, but but uh, yeah, it's a just a great a great area. And I would love to get some exterior shots, um, but yeah. then you gotta you gotta start kind of watching out for uh, the mounts. If it's a certified aircraft, I, I'd have to do a little bit of research on what what camera you can mount on the outside of a of a certified oh, aircraft. Yeah, of Jody, probably the person to speak about that. Jody Ruiger, wasn't she? Yeah, she's she's got a good setup on that pits, um, and that's actually a good point uh, or a good thing. Uh, I'll see Jody here in the next uh, few weeks. I'll be going out to uh, the Pylon Racing School at uh, the Reno Air Races. I will not be flying. I'll be uh, managing some of the ground stuff, but uh, yeah, I, I can't wait to meet uh, Jody in person. She was a great guest, and uh, and I can't can't wait to. Uh, Maybe get a, a little segment from her too when we're out there. Excellent. Uh, Grouse is ready for his song now. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, 
you know what? I'm going to pass. We're probably going to lose so many listeners if I try to sing. <laughs> Absolutely. Anyway. So uh, yes. we're going to so move on we, we, to... We were uh, talking about uh, um, uh, dogs that, uh, you know, sort of... Sort of What's the you know to keep calming effect? This is this is how I stay calm during the show. Look, <laughs> yeah, it see it works. It's just like you put a bandana on it and a yellow and a high vis jacket on yeah. the dog, and it'll be fine. <laughs> this is it. There we go. But he's like gonna... that when your when your computer gets taken over, yeah. <laughs> you're perfectly fine. I know, absolutely. Uh, but Grouse is going to be going outside now because it is a bit warm here in the studio, and I'm a bit worried about him. But uh, he's come to say hello. Oh, I didn't even realize you guys were in this in the studio because that beautiful picture behind you looks like you're oh, sitting in a sunny flight line. <laughs> I know, absolutely. So, Armando, handing things over to you uh, again, and uh, to introduce the military segment which you've prepared for us this week. Yeah, in the interest of time, uh, Matt, you're more than welcome to cut me off whenever you want. But uh, <laughs> we have a couple military stories, and we can just breeze through them. Uh, so, if you guys are ready, yeah, set uh, me up. Yeah, all right, yep. let's do it. Right, so the the first story is from popularmechanics.com. Com. And it's something that I believe we talked about or was mentioned uh, last year, last summer. But the, uh, the June 2018 crash of a F-15 Eagle fighter was caused by pilot error, uh, according to a report into the incident uh, that came to that conclusion. The report says that the pilot became confused while visually tracking an F-22 uh, Raptor stealth fighter, thinking he was flying to the right when he was actually flying vertically. The pilot ejected moments before impact, sustaining moderate injuries. The F-15C fighter assigned to the U.S. Air Force's 44th Fighter Squadron on Okinawa in Japan was engaged in a mock dogfight with a Raptor from the Alaska-based 525th Fighter Squadron. The F-15 pilot realized that the plane was slowing down, and according to Stars and Stripes, the aircraft may have stalled. The pilot attempted to correct the situation, but acting on incorrect information took action that actually made the problem worse. Within seconds, the pilot attempted to bail out. At first, pulled the wrong handle. When the, pi when the pilot finally did bail out, uh, they were just 1,100 feet above the Pacific Ocean. The pilot suffered a broken leg during the process, but was picked up by a Japanese self-defense force search and rescue helicopter. The president of the Accident Investigation Board convened to look into the crash. Colonel Harmon Lewis, Jr., said the crash, uh, said of the crash, three additional factors uh, substantially contributed to the mishap. Special disorientation, lack of emergency procedure training for negative Gs, and departure from controlled flight. Uh, also a limited time to analyze the situation and recover. The fighter apparently crashed into the Pacific Ocean and was a total loss. The crash caused a temporary stand-down of F-15s at Kadena Air Base in Okinawa, where the fighter was based. Just a quick question, Armando, on the on the story. Do I mean I I don't I'm not 100% sure, but do military aircraft such as the F-15 and, and others have FDRs installed? 
Um, so they've got data recorders. Uh, I'm not sure about the, a voice recorder, but they can certainly pull uh, the, the parameters for the aircraft as it was being controlled in a mishap like that. Mm. Um, now, often there, there are uh, voice recorders also uh, in that. And, uh, you know, Neil in the, in the chat room is asking what career consequences are there after an accident like, like this, can the, can the pilot keep flying? That's actually a, a great question. Um, so when, when you are flying this kind of mission, it, there's almost an understanding that, that there is an element of, of danger associated with this. And, and that is exactly what the safety investigation board is for. Uh, that's why they're so long. It'll determine whether it was a training issue, a negligence issue, a maintenance issue, or, or something else. Um, and based on those contributing factors to the mishap, uh, we'll determine sort of what sort of retraining the pilot or the air crew will go through. Uh, in this case, I don't, I don't know the specifics for this pilot, but I can only imagine that, that the pilot was probably fine. They probably had to do some retraining especially when it comes to emergency procedures training, which is done generally on the ground. Um, but but I, I can almost guarantee that this pilot is, is still flying. Um, flying a fighter jet, an F-15 in combat against an F-22 is probably not something that's uh, simple. So I, I think there's an element of understanding there where uh, the pilots would, would be able to get back on the horse, uh, so to speak. Hmm. So the next story is on the combat aircraft dot uh, keypublishing dot com, and a hello as well to uh, Liz Bowen Nelson joining us in the chat room. Mm. Uh, the headline is uh, U.S. Air Force F thirty five A's launch first combat missions. Uh, updated story images released today by U.S. Central Command (CENTCOM) have confirmed the first combat missions for U.S. Air Force F-35A Lightning IIs. A total of 10 F-35As from the 388th Fighter Wing's Fourth Expeditionary Fighter Squadron (EFS) Fighting Fugins. Is that Armando? Fighting you Fugins. Know, you, you got me. Yeah. <laughs> and it's Air Force Reserve. Command AFRC Associate Unit, the Air 466 EFS Diamondbacks, began arriving at Al Dafra, United Arab Emirates, on the evening of the 15th of April for the U.S. Air Force F-35A's debut combat deployment. The F-35s are now operating in support of the 380th Air Expeditionary Wing and are joining Operation Inherent Resolve. That's an interesting name for a for operation, and likely to be replacing or working alongside F-15C Eagles of the 493rd EFS, the Grim Reapers, that are also in theatre. The F-35s launched initial local shakedown missions on April 24th, carrying external missile rails, but with no weapons attached. This was apparently followed by the first official combat missions on April 26th, complete with live external AIM-9X Sidewinders. 
It was the first time the US Air Force F-35As were on the daily air tasking order and a dedicated VUL or vulnerability period. According to CENTCOM photo release, uh, this was followed on April 30th by a further mission. The captain, uh, captions for the images depicting a tanker mission uh, said the KC-10 and its crew were tasked to support aerial refueling operations for the F-35A's first air interdiction during its inaugural deployment to the US Air Force's Central Command Areas of Responsibility. A further news release added that details of two U.S. Air Force F-35 Lightning II aircraft conducting an airstrike in Wadi Ashi, Iraq, in support of Combined Joint Task Force Operation Inherent Resolve on April 30th. The strike marked the F-35A's first combat deployment. It appears uh, the two F-35As used GBU-31 Joint Direct Attack Munitions to hit a tunnel network used by so-called Islamic State and weapons cache in the Hamrun Mountains near Baji in Iraq. The images depict a mission very similar to that experienced by combat aircraft editor Jamie Hunter last year. On that occasion, the magazine flew on a KC-10 out of Al-Dafra, supporting F-22 Raptors. The long flight saw the tanker supporting a pair of fighters as they pressed north into the Area of Responsibility, or AOR, namely Iraq and Syria. On call and ready to respond to a variety of situations from air combat air patrol, providing air cover for ground forces to direct strikes in support of ground troops. Interestingly, the F-35s are still carrying their radar-reflecting Lundberg lenses, which means they won't be completely stealthy on these missions. Uh, this may be a measure to stop any attempts by other forces in the region of uh, to interrogate the F-35's low observable radar signature. A first report on the USF F-35A combat deployment appears in the forthcoming June issue of Combat Aircraft, uh, which you can find on the shelves in newsagents in the UK. So definitely... Uh, actually looking forward I know that I think they've got uh, a few of these at Riyadh this year so we'll be able to uh, hopefully might get a chance to get up close and personal with one of these this year at Riyadh and fingers yeah. crossed Armando I did buy a lucky dip, lucky dip lotto ticket this evening before I came to the studio and fingers crossed I'll be flying you out here for Riyadh oh. in July <laughs> all right okay <laughs> good news <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what. If if you uh, come out to to Oshkosh in July, I'll uh, I'll do my best to get you up close to an F thirty five or any other gray stuff. But uh, I'm not sure that I'm going to have very much uh, sway in that in that argument myself. But uh, yeah, this is this is great. You know, this is we've been talking about the F thirty fives for years and years and years now. So that going on their first combat deployment is is the next step in their in their uh, development and evolution, as I say. So Inherent Resolve is the U.S. and coalition forces against the Islamic State um, all over the Middle East. So it's as far as approving ground for this aircraft, there's a relative air superiority uh, from the U.S. and the coalition partners. So um, it's a great place to sort of cut their teeth and, and, and really figure out what the airplane can do. So, Nev, the next story is uh, one for you and also one that I'm sure Jonathan Warner will love. Oh, he will, yes. And it's on the uh, Bloomberg.com website. It says that uh, China's stealth jet may be ready this year, according to 
the U.S. commander. And the country might uh, declare its first stealth fighter operational uh, in 2019 as it uh, also develops long-range bombers capable of carrying nuclear weapons, part of a regional build-up by Beijing that the U.S. is closely monitoring, according to the U.S. Air Force Pacific commander. Uh, General Charles Brown, the head of Pacific Air Forces, said that the stealthy J-20 fighter could possibly be operational this year, a move he said would signal greater threat and greater capability for China in the Pacific. He went on to emphasize that U.S. efforts to counter these developments uh, include rising deployments of next-generation F-35 jets and continuing overflights of strategic areas such as the South China Sea. My sense of the way that the Chinese operate is somewhat incremental, Brown said in an interview this week at Bloomberg's headquarters in New York. They'll continue to push the envelope to figure out, does anybody say or do anything? If you don't push back, it'll keep coming. Fielding the J-20 would add to what's already been uh, the regional's, uh, region's largest air force force and world's uh, third largest with more than 2,500 total aircraft and uh, including 1,700 combat fighters, strategic bombers, tactical bombers and multi-mission tactical and attack aircraft, the US Defense Intelligence Agency said in a report earlier this year. In its annual report on China's military, the Pentagon said that the J-20 may have begun active service in small numbers, possibly with a testing and training unit. Chinese engineer, engineers report successful testing of a solid fuel ramjet missile engine and they suggest this will enable the J-20 to carry out future Mach 5 300-kilometer uh, uh, range air-to-air missiles according to the report published on Thursday. And China's uh, J-20 fighter is part of a modernization effort that's been closing the gap with Western air forces across a broad spectrum of capabilities such as aircraft performance, command and control and electronic warfare according to Defense Intelligence Agency reports. Uh, Charles Brown also said that he thinks that China is moving to develop dual-use bombers that will be similar to our bombers in terms of being able to carry nuclear weapons and non-nuclear precision-guided weapons. I don't think it will be too far off the mark to say that they could do that as well, Brown added, without indicating whether China may have a stealth bomber capability. Uh, Acting Defence Secretary Patrick Shanahan, in a statement on Wednesday for the House Defence Appropriations Subcommittee, said a Chinese long-range bomber, if successful, would it would make it only to one of three nations to possess a, a nuclear triad of land, sea and air-based nuclear capabilities. The US has a number of ways to counter China's build-up, Brown said. This includes bringing unpredictable in deployments uh, of the B-1B, B-52 and B-2 bombers. The B-1B, Brown said, is now qualified to carry a new Lockheed Martin Corporation uh, anti-ship missile, uh, a few of which have been stockpiled in the Pacific region. It's quite a long story, this, so rather than um, uh, run out of time at the end. Uh, but that's uh, quite an interesting development uh, with the J-20 and the US are obviously keeping their eyes on it. I must admit, I looked at a picture of this on Wikipedia and it uh, it looks like it's like various pieces of other aircraft that have all been kind of, you know, pinched from other designers. Mm. <laughs> just, my, yeah. just my view. Yeah. Well, we're seeing a little bit of a trend, right, based on the the uh, F-100 DC-9 copy that we saw a little bit earlier <laughs> from, from Comac. Um, 
but you know, staying away from politics, this is this. You know, we'll we'll see what the what the Chinese are able to develop uh, here in the near future with this. Somebody, uh, yeah, Nelson in the in the chat room was saying it looks like a a mix between the Dassault and the F thirty five. Yeah, we'll we'll see. So in the last story then, Matt, there's some good news for the French Air Force. Indeed, yes, this is on the defensenews.com website, and the headline is French Air Force receives first tactical A400M transport plane. So Paris, uh, this is where the story's from. The French Air Force has taken delivery of its 15th A400M Atlas military transport aircraft, the first directly outfitted with the tactical standard, including an expanded ability to land and take off from unprepared terrain and the capacity to make landing approaches under automatic pilot in all weather. Three previously delivered aircraft have been upgraded to this new standard. Uh, two, uh, two new capabilities will be added in the fall. The, election, the ejection sorry, of heavy loads of up to 16 tonnes from the rear ramp and refuelling by central point. Uh, the 11 other Atlas aircraft currently in the French inventory will be upgraded to this tactical standard by 2020. Refuelling from a central point will be by means of a hose drum unit, HDU, stored in the hold when not in use. Uh, combat aircraft are already refuelled via the wing pods on the Atlas, a capacity available on all 15 of the French A400Ms. Another refuelling system will be put into place to refuel helicopters, but a DGA French procurement agency official told Defence News that that is for later. Also for later will be the capacity to parachute more than 30 paratroopers per door and per dispatch. The military's requirement is that 116 paratroopers jump out of the aircraft in one dispatch, but for the moment, this is impossible because of an issue with the so-called D-bags, uh, which hold the paratroopers' chutes in their backs. Uh, this bag is opened automatically by a static line connected to an anchor cable and the paratroopers. Uh, as they step out of the aircraft door, the static line pulls taut, removing the D-bag from the parachute and allowing it to open very quickly. The D-bag remains attached to the static line and flaps alongside the outside of the aircraft. As more paratroopers jump out, the volume of discarded D-bags increases, presenting a hazard to those waiting for jumping. Uh, manufacturer Airbus has been looking at a way to make the paratroopers step out onto the outer edge of the aircraft frame before jumping. This would ta uh, take them a sufficient distance from the flapping bags to neutralise the risk of D-bag interference. It could also help resolve the issue of simultaneous dispatch which is where parachutists exit the aircraft from both sides at the same time. Currently, the danger is that they could get too close together after dispatch, risking collision. France's 2019-2025 to military programme law provides, the, uh, provides for the delivery of another 10 A400Ms during the period for a total of 25 aircraft in service by the end of 2025. Now that's an interesting story. I hadn't really thought about that where you've got multiple people jumping out of uh, an aircraft. I, I, I didn't really give that any thought. Oh yeah, it happens all the time. Some great videos on YouTube of that as well. Oh, is there? Yeah. From the 400. Yeah. I, I was just going to say for anybody that, that got lost in that 
article, you can just YouTube videos of a static line jump from a C-130 Good. And, uh, or a C-5 or C-17 or anything like that. And you'll see exactly what they're talking about with those deployment bags mm. uh, going at it. it. It's actually pretty violent looking, um, but uh, it, is no, it is no secret. Anybody that was with us at the Farnborough Air Show, I love the A400M. I think it's a great airplane. Yeah. Um, yeah and then I and then I also have a special affinity for the for the French Air Force. I've worked quite a bit with them and mm. quite closely and and they're incredibly capable. So to see them get this kind of capability in their A400s mm. is is uh, I, I I still think to this day one of the most standout things from Farnborough 20 whatever what was the first one we went to? What was it, 2018? Uh, so it would have been 2016. 2016 yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Nev. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Yes, uh, Farnborough 2016. And uh, you had um, you had the, the A400M and the A380 both sort of doing uh, manoeuvres sort of simultaneously. I mean, it was just a, it was just one of the most amazing things. They're, they're both stunning aircraft, aren't they? You know, Most of these have been ordered in Europe, actually. Um, the biggest use of these being Germany, followed mm. closely by us in the UK here. And they're also French in the third sort of place, really, in Spain. Um, and also Belgium and Luxembourg have got some of these on order to be delivered in 2020. I, I mean, they, they, they must be rapidly becoming a very popular... Very popular. Um, certainly yeah. with the military. I mean, they, they, I mean, I, I don't think there's many forces that... that, that the only... It says here that the, uh, the only non-European country to purchase these aircraft was Malaysia. Oh, OK. Yeah, cool. they've got four of these. Yeah. So there we go. They're a great, they're a great, they're a great aircraft. Yeah. yeah. So that's where we bring the military segment to a close. But before we wrap up, we've got uh, some certain bits of information about a certain thing that's happening very soon uh, at Duxford. So Nev, what's going on next week? Well, <clears throat> it's on Sunday, the twelfth of May, and we'll all be over in Duxford, uh, mm. in Cambridgeshire, at the Imperial War Museum. And we've got quite a few listeners and viewers coming, which Can't is wait. fantastic news. So exciting. Um, so we will be there. The PTUK crew will be there from 10 o'clock onwards. Most people have said they can get there for 11. So what we're going to try and do is uh, if you can get there for uh, 11 o'clock, that would be great. Anyone that wants to come beforehand, that's fine. We'll be there from 10. Um, and then we're going to try and get a bit of a sort of a group entry in terms of the the cost of getting in. So if we can get a, as, not, as many people as we can, there for 11 o'clock that would be great um we're going to be bringing some t-shirts <clears throat> with us on the day so if anyone wants to purchase one uh, they're going to be at the discounted price of 15 pounds each because there's no postage and packing which would be great um i'll be bringing all my video gear so i should be being a nuisance with my camera um as usual doing uh, and interviews I, I should and just say having. actually i'm going to interrupt you say i should just say if you haven't mm. seen it already it is worth coming if only to see nev's marvelous muff oh blimey yes yes it is a fabulous yes i've given fabulous. it i've given it a special comb as well Have so, you? So, uh, what, what yeah. a real treat for the listeners yes <laughs> there we are so I should be getting that out and give you a bit of an airing. Indeed, let's um, hope it's not windy. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, yes, let, now let's hope that the weather's reasonable yes. because there are people flying in for real, uh, yeah. which is brilliant. So let's just keep our fingers crossed that the weather's going to behave itself. 
Yeah, indeed. I was just having a quick look in the in the emails here, trying to. So we've got a a, a chat. A hello to Owen Dowling, who uh, sent us a, an email this week. Very much looking forward to yeah. to meeting you again. Fingers crossed. Owen's actually going to fly in from uh, Dublin, all being yeah. well. Uh, spelt, awesome. uh, spe- Owen spelt the proper way, obviously. E Y N, of course. Uh, looking forward to him coming in. Uh, there we've got. Uh, is it Javid Rach? Rachman has been in touch. Apologies if I said that wrong. Uh, he's planning to fly in as well. Uh, it doesn't say in the email here, unfortunately, where he's coming from. But uh, yeah, Javid, very much looking forward to, to meeting you and your son. That's gonna that's gonna be great. Um, yeah, that uh, Captain I, Al. Yeah, Captain Al is also hoping to uh, to fly in as well with passengers. Yes, absolutely. And yeah. also, Pilot Pip is going to be hopefully flying in as well. And um, hopefully, Pilot Pip will be making yeah. several landings. Um, <laughs> Because <laughs> that's what he does best. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Chris Griggs also looking forward to seeing you at Duxford as well. Uh, Jonathan Warner, I think he's going to be there. As is yeah. Philip Davis, looking yeah, forward Philip to seeing Davis, you there. Yeah. Uh, all the usual suspects will be uh, will be joining us. Uh, including my dad including Carlos's dad there we are so if anybody wants to find out who's to blame for all this drivel (laughs) uh, then you'll be able to ask the man himself yeah absolutely yeah so oh and uh, Neil Lamborn obviously he sent an uh, an email earlier in the show didn't he he's coming as well so yeah it's going to be a a right old gang of us I really can't wait it's going to be so much fun I'm really looking forward to it it's going to be so much fun yeah yeah so uh, yeah, so, so well, yeah. Hope to see as many of you yeah, as possible yeah. there on uh, at Duxford on the twelfth of May. Indeed, Love it's it. time to start wrapping up. Yeah, so we are going to start to wrap up the show. We're going to say a huge thanks to all the YouTube viewers who've uh, tuned in tonight for the show. Big thanks to all you guys and girls for joining us tonight and taking time out of your Friday evening. Also, not forgetting as well all the guys and girls who download the show as Very an much audio. So version yep, through uh, iTunes and Podbean and Stitcher and all the other yes. uh, downloady places wherever it is that you get your, is you your podcast it. from thank you and also don't forget if you do download the show via iTunes it would be awesome if you could give us a little starry rating on iTunes oh dear, because it right. does help That's to push the dangerous. show and yeah. <laughs> do all the lovely things that we yeah. do love here at PTUK Indeed. Uh, Carlos what are you up to this week anything fun I'm off actually we're, it's it's the bank holiday weekend, so we've all got Monday off. Yes, hopefully. yes, that's true. Yes, um, yeah. But on Tuesday, I'll be driving down to Nev's neck of the woods. Yeah. But unfortunately, Nev's not going to be there. Uh, so Nev's found out in advance and has filled his diary <laughs> very quickly. Uh, Thanks, Nev. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Much love. Yeah, Nev, what are you up to this week? Flying anywhere? Uh, no, not this week. Uh, but on Monday, I shall be travelling to see a former Concord captain and Ooh. broadcaster. And I should be having a cup of coffee and oh, some very nice. Oh, God, you know, well. how to, you know how to hobnob with the, with the best of them, don't you? It's, Honestly. it's who you know, isn't it? Of, it's well, who you know. So, uh, he doesn't do things by heart. No, of course he doesn't. No, absolutely. No. That's why he's the legend that he is. Armando, what are you up to? Do you have a bank holiday on Monday? or? Uh... No, I have to say goodbye to uh, bank holidays. So that's definitely a British thing. But uh, I think uh, tomorrow, the, as long as the weather holds out, a good friend of mine, Dustin, uh, and I will be taking the Tobago uh, up to Lexington, North Carolina, where there is the Aviators Rendezvous 2019. I think they have some warbirds coming in, uh, lots of airplanes. They have some uh, music, some vendors. Uh, this will not be out in time, but if uh, you know, hopefully I can I can get up there and I'll take all the the regular kit with me and and maybe I can get an interview or something with uh, with one of those uh, 
warbird uh, organizations. Excellent. Indeed. Neil Lamorne has asked a very important question in the chat room, obviously because of what happened at Seething. Um, so is there going to be any formation flying on the... On the you know, I think because of where Duxford. everybody's coming from, I think the short answer is no. Um, but, oh, I'd love uh, to see yeah. that, though. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, looking forward to it, guys and girls. Mm, yeah, but the, 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 I've got a couple of things on my on my itinerary for this week. Uh, one of which, which I'm very excited about, is I'm off to Harry Potter World. Yeah. Anyway, oh, moving stop. on. Yeah. <laughs> am, I, uh, am I the only one who's excited by the fact that I'm going to Harry Potter World? Okay, I'll take from that. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Cue okay. tumbleweeds. Yeah, well, I'm very excited. Sod the lot of you. That's what I say. Uh, anyway, is that the time? Uh, get in touch with the show. Podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. That's podcast <laughs> at plaintalkinguk.com. The website, www.plaintalkinguk.com, which if you are unable to join us at Duxford, you will be able to buy T-shirts from... What's the matter with you? Carlos at plaintalkinguk.com. Matt at plaintalkinguk.com. Nev at PlaintalkingUK.com. You you can't do that on the camera. Like, yeah, yeah. Sorry, hold on. Um, I thought I'd go like this. Brady Bunch. Come on, come on, come on, Nev. High five me. You can do it. Yeah, that's going to be the other way. This is this is totally wasted on everybody listening to the show. But anyway, sorry about that. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so uh, Nev at PlainTalkingUK.com. And, of course, it's Armando at PlainTalkingUK.com. Uh, social media, search for us on social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter by looking f- for our handle, which is PlainTalkingUK. So that is where we bring episode number 267 to a close. And not 266, like what it says in our show notes. Or but... not episode number 199 <laughs> at the 200 show oh, in London. You just <clears> help yourself, <throat> thank you. you. That, that'll teach me, won't it? I know. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yes, indeed. Anyway, go. is that the time? But say yep. goodbye, everyone. Bye-bye. Take care, everyone. <laughs> Have a great weekend. Bye. Woo.